Wohl sein, Scotty. Take your sticking paws off me, you damn dirty ape! Was it Andre? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this, is God. A, this is a whole strand we've got to explore. Blank check. Blank check. Oh, God. Yeah, but there's God, lots more straight, of the straight there was to... the para. What's wrong with the para? Oh, God. Uh, Polly? Would... No. <laughs> no, there was what a film with a parrot. Yeah, about the same time as Dunstan. Chelsea yeah, Disney and, film. Yeah. And he had a, just, uh, the name of it. I think... Just the name of the para. Yeah. <laughs> What a fucking weird <laughs> genre. It's a bizarre. The thing is, because of my age, yeah. I, I remember going to like I'm Elephant s- and Castle cinema oh, to watch them all as well. It's a great picture of the coronet. It was yeah. a Disney oh, film, wasn't it? <laughs> About the parrot. And yeah, and it's, it's, it's called Ed or cool something. Ones. I can't remember, isn't it? What was he called? Oh, but then there was Dunstan Checks in. There was Andre, which was a scene. Yeah, what the cla- let's establish the, the what classics. the classics <laughs> 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 oh, Andre, I totally forgot about that. Andre. Because it was about the same time as Free Willy and these animal-based movies. Oh, it's that were thing, all... weren't it? It was that that old adage that you should never work with kids and animals, and so yet they... there was this old lot of films that was literally just kids just and animals. Kids. Why? Why have I not <laughs> guessed it? Paulie. Paulie. <laughs> oh God. There yeah. must have been others. Has it got? If you like this, you will also like. <laughs> it wasn't so much an animal. Well, it wasn't an animals one, but I remember where Jack Frost. With uh, Michael, Michael Keaton, Keaton comes Christmas Michael Keaton dies and comes Christmas back as a snowman. <laughs> wow, I've, I've missed that. Uh, a whole snow day, snow day. Snow Iggy Pop was in that. Who was the weirdly. dogs that played basketball? Airbud. <laughs> Airbud. <laughs> I can just picture it now. Though. Going into um, Woolworth Road blockbusters. Yeah. <laughs> Which I think was the first ever one in the country, by the way. Was it? Yeah, the first. Varney opened it. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And used a cash machine next to it, yeah. Um, and just going through and looking at all these, these videos, you'd always... Did they have their own section? This yeah. own specific genre, were they all lumped together? You'd never take... I mean, that was all part of the, the sort of children's section, but, I mean, you'd never rent them, but you'd just remember always seeing them there. Air and they all Airbutt. Touchstone productions Touchstone. as well, weren't they? <laughs> Just let's, let's look up Touchstone movies. This is yeah. this is a whole genre we've got to examine here. And I, I think I'm going to start from that point. Should we keep going with this? It's yeah. Fucking hell. Oh my god. Blank Andre. Check, Andre. Richie Rich, kind of. Uh, Dennis yeah. the Menace. Oh, <laughs> Dennis the Menace with Walter Matthau was Mr. Jesus. Wilson. <laughs> oh, I remember going to see that. 
Right, I'm looking up Touchstone movies from the late 80s, early 90s. Are we sort of, is it that sort of era, guys? Yeah, up to mid-90s, I think. Okay. Definitely. Because Richie yeah. Rich would have been, yeah. and Dennis the Menace would have been mid to late. Well, you, your classics are your Roger Rabbit, your Pretty Woman. Armageddon was a touchstone movie. Who would make a lot of the ones that were adapted from video games? Because I remember like going to see the Super Mario well, Brothers. Could have been. Golan Globus. Right. But do you remember like the Super? <laughs> do you remember the Super Mario <laughs> You're Brothers? He's just making one? words up. No, Golan Globus. They were the producers. They were Israeli. Responsible for all the early Jean Claude Van Damme stuff. What lunatic thought of casting Bob Hoskins as Super Mario <laughs> and John Leguizzi Armas as Luigi? <laughs> right. You ready for this? I mean, Paul, I know you're going to be choosing something next time, but I think you may have to scrap it once you hear some of the gems. <laughs> it starts off in 1984 with Splash. Oh, okay. Daryl Hannah. Yeah, yeah, great film. Right, okay. I'm going to skip a couple of these. Mrs. Neil Young. This one falls exactly in that wheelhouse, Charles. Baby, Secret of the Lost Legend. <laughs> Can a baby brontosaurus or something? Oh, yeah, because I always got them mixed up because there was the Land Before Time movies as well, yeah. weren't there? Yep. And then you have things like, it goes through, it's like Down and Out in Beverly Hills. Oh, God, Nick yeah. Nick Nolte is the tramp. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Ruthless People, these are all going to be lots of, like, better middle of stuff. Got you. Yeah. Tough Guys. Don't remember Kirk it. Kirk Douglas and Burt Lancaster, yeah. I think. Fucking hell, in their they're 80s. still... Yeah, yeah. I mean, Kirk Douglas only recently died, but... Yeah. Because I would have thought, like, Local hero would have been one of it was his last, his last yeah, films. one of his last. But that was them together as yeah, old like thirties gangsters. Um, outrageous fortune again, Bette Midler, Tim Men, Ernest goes to camp. Oh, the Ernest films. Right, well, never I've, seen any. They no. were like they were a bit like the Pee Wee Herman film. Oh, it was right. just a different. It was a variation on the same theme every time. So it'd be like. Ernest goes to camp. Ernest goes to Hollywood. Ernest saves Christmas. Um, Adventures in Babysitting. Elizabeth Shue. Yes. Stakeout. Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, Emilio Estevez, Estevez. and um, Richard Dreyfus. What happened to That's Richard Stakeout Dreyfuss? Too, because he, he just sort of seemed to disappear somewhat from the limelight more recently. Do you know what I mean? He appeared in Piranha 3D, didn't he? In the beginning, there's this well, homage to. You illustrate my point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's in his 80s now. Yeah. I just I remember growing up, never really. Only knowing of him from being big films in the seventies and eighties, yeah. and then in the nineties, it seemed to he just wasn't much of a presence like in mainstream yeah, Hollywood but then anymore. Gene Ackman just decided to retire, didn't he? Mm. Yeah, you know, perhaps he did the same. Rick That's Moranis retired because of his wife was ill, you know, and oh, his wife died, didn't she? Did yeah. Well, though I think he's I think he's coming back now. They're doing a new yes. Mm. He. Honey, I'm not sure I read it last year. He was coming back to the acting, but the reason he'd give, given up was purely because of his family. Kids, and that, well, it yeah. does happen. I mean, remember... Um, they were all shrunk, weren't they? Yeah. yeah. Doing a new <laughs> honey, I blew the babysitter. <laughs> honey, honey, I... <laughs> no. <laughs> it must be bad if he's... <laughs> um, oh, dear. Beaches... There's a oh, lot of Bette Midler stuff. Yeah, but that was huge, that film, wasn't it? Because of the soundtrack as well. And Don't ever choose a Bette Midler film okay. for me to watch, please. <laughs> Talking about kids and animals, definitely small, annoying child. Three Fugitives. Yes, I do remember that one. Now. Nick Nolte, Martin Short. Yes. Wasn't it? Well, I might not have remembered it at the time, but yeah. definitely. Um, Turner and Hooch. <laughs> Tom Hanks. Yeah. Uh, innocent man that was on you know, riding on the coattails of Tom Selleck's success, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Pretty Woman, Ernest Goes to Jail, Dick Tracy. Dick oh. Tracy. Three Men and the Baby, Three Men and the Little Lady. Um, Dick Tracy was the one with Al Pacino, wasn't it? Madonna. They were all in it, weren't they? Yeah. Madonna had a character called yeah. Mahoney in it, I think. Cheeks. Cheeks. Cheeks Mahoney, yeah. <laughs> Tits Mahoney. <laughs> Oscar. Wasn't that Stallone? Don't remember Oscar. Yeah, I think there's another one where he plays a gangster. And I bet don't shoot. What was it? I'll stop and my mum will shoot. Oh, me my God, yeah. That's what about terrible. Bob? Oh, um... Bill Murray? Bill Murray, yeah, yeah, great film. That was Richard Dreyfus as well, wasn't it? Who was the dad of the family he was infiltrating? Major <laughs> Fritzel. <laughs> Richard Dreyfus. There you go. <laughs> Fuck me, I knew something you didn't. <laughs> you still needed him to confirm it, though. Yeah. <laughs> The smartest Rocketeer. moment you've ever had, and you yeah. still needed his clarification. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Rocketeer, Father of the Bride. I like Father of the Bride. Diane Keaton and yeah, Steve Martin. Steve Martin. Yeah, they were quite big films. Mm. Yeah. Sister Act, round about that time. I remember watching uh, Sister Act 2, Back in the Habit, at the, <laughs> bloody, you know. the cinema that was opposite uh, 346. Oh, oh yeah. On ABC. ABC, yeah. yeah. Christ. It just amazes me Harvey Keitel was in the first one, wasn't he? I forgot that Harvey Keitel was in the first this is typical of what we're talking about but there's no animals Captain Ron no Kurt Russell no no okay um I like the way he's, he's looked at us as if he was on about Citizen Kane yeah, yeah. Like, you know, I'm just trying to you know, get some reaction from you guys um <laughs> Edward Jerky Boy is the movie I like to wonder, do. I wonder what that one's Frankie, all about. Frankie, Frankie Valley. Valley. Yeah. <laughs> Jerky Boy is the movie. Um, just a poem version. <laughs> oh, what a night. Kazam. There isn't the one that everyone gets confused that they thought Kazam was. Yeah. Shaquille O'Neal played a genie in one of those films. This is, the, this is the one that. It's the misconception thing, isn't it? Yes, because I remember getting it wrong in Shazam, the quiz. wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Um, Con Air. Conair and Face Off released the same month. Oh, there is no medicine for what I have. <laughs> face Off was good. I like that. Air Force One, Starship yeah. Troopers. Do Ooh. you remember a film from the early 90s? I think it was called um, Mum, I Killed the Babysitter or something. Yeah, that's ringing a bell. It had Christina Applegate in it. That's oh. right, yeah. Don't tell Mum the Babysitter's dead. That's it, yeah. Fucking hell. <laughs> right, well, Oscar and all this, like, sorry, um... Andre and all this like, hasn't come up as a touchstone picture. I tell you what, it's the ultimate. Mr. Nanny. Mr. Nanny. That, that was Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan. <laughs> Jesus. And he did no holds barred, didn't he? But then you look at, obviously, wrestlers making films. It's almost as if they are actually actors, isn't um, it? Wasn't it The Rock done one, The Tooth Fairy? Tooth Fairy, yeah. yeah. Although I think The Rock's the highest paid, the most highest paid male actor in the world at the moment. Yeah. And he's, wow, yeah, I can't believe that actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, he he went through making some duds, but he has he made certainly some can great. Act. Yeah, and he he does a balls out action film very well, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah, I remember. I remember the first film I think he was in. I went to see it at the pictures. It was um, the Mummy Returns, the Scorpion King. Yes, yeah, yeah, with the awful CGI, really yeah. bad. Um, I found it. I found a classic one. <laughs> We hadn't even the Holy Grail of the worst, it's, it's it's on the level of Dunstan Monkey Trouble. Nineteen ninety four. Brendan Fraser. No, no. With George of the Jungle. No, no. There's another one he does with a imaginary monkey friend. So he's like basically Harvey, but with 
with Simeon's. This is the one with, I think she's, oh god, what was she in? She was the kid, no, she wasn't the kid in Mrs. Doubtfire. Is it Thora Birch? Thora Birch. Thora Heard. Went on to get her lils out in um, yeah. the Kevin Spacey movie. It's just that name, it does, makes you just think it'd be an old woman because of Thora. Yeah. Yeah. Talking Ed sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. the, the custard cream under the sofa. Yeah. Um, Always like what Ricky Gervais said about her. You know, oh, doing the stairlift adverts, going up, <laughs> oh, gets up there, oh, lowered into the bath, mm. give her an award, and she's up there like a fucking greyhound. <laughs> <laughs> Bingo, 1991. Bingo, no. All I, can, all I can tell you, there was a dog wearing sunglasses on the cover. Excellent. Um, <laughs> but it was, it's a very unique well, Disney, genre, isn't Disney it? Disney did a few of these. Mm. Like Blank Check was Disney, I think. So Touchstone was part of Disney, though, wasn't was it? it? Well, uh, yeah, Digby, were... the biggest dog in the world. Oh, do you remember that? Shaggy D.A.? <laughs> Three little ninjas. Just, <laughs> didn't that have a old Kogan in it or someone or a rest? Yeah. I can't remember. Probably. <laughs> oh, mate. A, a distinct genre that has been sadly forgotten. Sadly? Yeah. <laughs> Every time, time you mention the words dunce and checks in, Charlie laughs. It's just... It's, it's just... Yeah. <laughs> happy memories for him, look. Saturday yeah. afternoon. Yeah, he's Elephant still the Castle. one that rec- told us to watch Cop and Half and then disappeared for the recording. <laughs> I did send an email. <laughs> <laughs> he did. He contributed, but we would have got to that eventually. It was only the fact that the great, you know, Burt, Burt Reynolds had passed away that we had to pick, you know, yeah, what one of his best it, films. Fit his <laughs> Cop and Half. <laughs> oh, I'm sure we talked about that for 15 minutes. Yeah, what can you really say? <laughs> I, we did get a good 30, 40, 30 or 40 minutes out of that review. I'm sure we did. I remember, um, oh, it sounds really bad, but I always used to think that was Gary Coleman. <laughs> oh. We share a birthday. Me and Mr. Coleman, yes. Might need you Not to anymore. edit that out just because of the sort of racial connotations there, to be honest. What, did we so. share a birthday? Or the bit you said? Yeah, the bit oh. I said, yeah. <laughs> You never know. Some some people might be okay with some, it. Dif- different strokes, different strokes. Some, <laughs> some black midget might take offence. That's well. I'm so glad you said that because that means that segment's definitely got to go. <coughs> well, that's it. I could get away with it now. Yeah. I'm cutting. It I won't worry because Prince is dead. <laughs> <laughs> I watched the man with a golden gun the other day. It's got that little fucking bloke out of Fantasy Island yeah. in it. Oh, the plane, boss, the plane. James Bond actually says, I've never had a fight with a midget before or something. He actually says it. I mean, to be fair, if if you're trawling through the world of James Bond, there's a lot of politically incorrect stuff there. There's a lot of sexist stuff in there. (laughs) Honestly, uh, that's that's what I always found weird about James Bond, is that ever since they redid Casino Royale, they've they've dramatically shifted the tone so that it's not got that kind of understandably it's not got that kind yeah. of rhetoric in it but it's also and I'm not justifying it but it's like one of the reasons people did like James Bond is because he still spoke to women like it was the 1940s like <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> well yeah I'm, I'm sure if you read the books they're all very much oh, of that God, ill was man, wasn't he? but was, it, yeah. it's that thing isn't it it's like it's either will a lot of the time like that is the nature of James Bond you can't try to make it into something else 
Yeah, when they saying about how next James Bond's got to be a woman, I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> it, that, it's a character. If you want a that, female spy, write a fucking film about a female spy. Yeah, you don't suddenly change the sex unless it's Doctor Who. Um, I'm, I'm all right with that. Whitaker. I'm all right with that. Being the Doctor Who fan, I'm all right with that. She's a good actress as well, to be fair. I mean, I don't, I've never watched Doctor Who, but she's good. I, I saw her in a really good film with Paddy Considine called Journeyman, mm-hmm. uh, and he's a boxer, and he he wins the he wins the fight at the beginning, but he picks up like severe brain damage from it, and then uh, tries to put the their baby in a tumble dryer, which I thought was brilliant. <laughs> so. Oh, add that one to your list, Paul. <laughs> baby in a tumble dryer. Baby in a tumble dryer. Sounds like a Smiths song. Girlfriend in a coma, <laughs> baby in a tumble dryer. Do you think you'll pull through? Well, I mean, um, if Pete Townsend yeah. covered it, he could combine the two, couldn't he? I wonder he? if we could do that to the tune of <laughs> Baby Girlfriend. <laughs> baby, baby in a tumble dryer. I've really kind of. Um, undersold the quality of this film though because it just makes it sound like a gratuitous sort of like human centipede thing but you, he's actually you picked on the, the worst aspect of that movie by the sound of it yeah <laughs> that was the bit that made me laugh <laughs> <laughs> yeah. at least it's clothes would have been nice and soft yeah. fluffy hair <laughs> get a fabric soft <laughs> yeah it comes out looking like fucking Phil Spector <laughs> like a, a troll you just didn't get this sort of chat while I was away I'm sure (laughs) no it was quite sensible to a certain degree Um, just not as offensive (laughs) no there was definitely no offensive material but what would happen is I'd go over to Paul's and we'd record two or three movies yeah we would because the third one everybody would point out that the third one was like complete debauchery yeah (laughs) They could, they could, they could work out. A listener could work out what was recorded first, what was second, what was third. Yeah. Based on the conversation, and we'd actually plan what we would talk about first, second, and third. Because we thought, right, well, you know, we're going to be pissed by nine o'clock. The third movie, we've got to make it. Got you. Yeah. Something a bit easier to, you know, that we don't want to, you know, try and dissect too much. I remember really struggling with that back in the sort of early days that we have drunk so much and still have a film to talk about and it, mm. even if it was something like Pulp Fiction yeah. which I've normally got loads to say we were just so yeah if it gets to like 9 o'clock 10 o'clock and you've been here since 4 or 5 and you've still got a recording to do it's just well, give it up yeah. I'd, I'd say the priorities aren't quite there to be fair <laughs> no, it's just like food's out by that time and yeah yeah we've just, learned we have learned yeah, whereas it used to feel like I'm, I'm going to uh, Scotch for a drink and we might do a podcast <laughs> while I'm there. <laughs> 12 hours. Quite longer than that. <laughs> Honestly. It's good to have you back, mate. It's brilliant being back, but at the same time, like as I said previously, just feels really sort of natural to go back, back in. Ooh. I was going to say, does it feel like you've been away? Well, I mean, it was, it was a considerable amount of time and I was still listening to the episodes and sort of supporting the podcast on social media and whatever yeah. but it, yeah it feels quite yeah organic the door was never closed was it no no and absolutely it, not as we said there was no animosity between the, the any same, of us was there it the was, same with Liam um, he's chosen not to be involved anymore I don't really speak to him about it anymore 
I just sort of it's a bit like Lennon and McCartney like Beatles <laughs> are not back together but they still get on kind yeah. of thing. it's fine just have a different line up you know yeah people's circumstances change and stuff don't they yeah but do you know what I think this is really good as well doing this because mm. it's one night or one Saturday where I'm, it does keep me out of the pub and stuff like <laughs> yeah. that it's, yeah but you drink as much but it's productive drinking Oh, it's an end product. Is sure, that what you're saying? sure. This is this is <laughs> Cheers very much, to that. This is very much like a conduit, if you will. For is it? Yeah. Okay. Lubrication. Intelligent conversation somewhere along the line. I think, I think you two have quite intelligent conversations, which I then just come in and sabotage. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's the equivalent of, funny enough, mentioning Oliver Reed. Mm. Like when he used to go on After Dark. Oh, oh my god. And they'd god. all be sitting there, like you know, sort of like. Holding the glasses like that, scratching, yeah. talking yeah. about, and, and he'd be trying to grope the woman, wouldn't he? Jeez. Jeez. I saw well, that when it came out. It was I remember watching it. It's really bad because he was sitting there, pissed out of his head, as he was known to be most of the time. <laughs> and the feminist on it, and I'm sure I remember him just sitting there, just like scowling at her and going, "What you need to could shag him," which is disgusting, but. I, I, I just, I, I just put up with this. She yeah. says, I don't think I should put up with this. And it, whoever was chairing the conversation, <laughs> Oliver, I think that was a bit mean or something. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was great. Whoever, whoever thought that was a good idea, because I'm, I think Oliver Reed was quite a well-educated and intellectual man, but mm. it, he had his demons, didn't he? Mm. Yeah. Apparently, he died. Obviously, they were filled. No, he definitely yeah. died. They, <laughs> yeah, that is a fact. <laughs> um, Turns out he is mortal. Um, he was in a pub in Mortal. They were filming Gladiator, weren't they? It turns out he was like doing press-up competitions and shit like that. I, bar, I read that. It? I read that he died doing the oops upside your head. Dance. There you go. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> 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 oh god! Because yeah. I know he was doing press-up competitions on the bar. Yeah, that was part of the evening. I mean, I've read the biography. There's a couple of great books about him. If you really go, there's a lot about the Keith Moon era. Got you, yeah. But there's a really good book called Hellraisers, which is Mm. about Richard Burton, Peter O'Toole, Oliver Reed, and it might just be those three actually. No, Richard Harris as well. Like the sort of, and it is just great. I mean, it's. It, it makes you slightly uncomfortable because you don't like sort of the glorification of something that pretty much killed all four of those people yeah. and is a serious problem like mm. in people's lives but it does add to the kind of you know can you imagine trying to be a director on a movie with any of them in it just well, would be I mean I think how many films did he do with his uncle See, Oliver was Carol Reed wasn't it yeah. so um, probably not many no, because of the the difference in sort of eras and ages. Well, you think about his his first sort of starring role was sixty sixty one in the Curse of the Werewolf, or it was the Hammer thing that brought him. Yeah, in. and then Oliver was like later that decade, and he was superb. Carol Reed in that. weren't making that many movies throughout the. No, season. that's it. But I'm, I'm that's part of. I used to think that the only reason he got into sort of the industry is because he knew people in higher places. And that's how he sort did, of got did away. Did you with being rate him as an actor? Because yeah, I, no. I do. I think he was a better actor than uh, some. You get the opportunity to see sometimes. Um, he definitely wasn't a very good actor in Tommy. He definitely wasn't a very good singer. That's no. a certain. Although I've, I hated Oliver Reed when I was growing up because mm-hmm. the two sort of uh, the two the 
references that I had to him really were Oliver and Tommy and he plays an absolute bastard in both of them yeah Yeah, yeah. and Uncle Frank didn't you think he just reminded you of um, was it Paul McShane out of Heidi High in in yeah. Tommy, yeah. Well, I was thinking more sort of like a "That'll be the day" kind of thing, yeah. which I think had Keith Moon in it. Funny, you know. Yeah, yeah, because that's right. When he wore his normal clothes, he was in proper Teddy Boy stuff. Yeah, wasn't I remember he? the yeah. coat, the overcoat, that yeah, he has with the different coloured collar. Yeah, with the drainpipe yeah. trousers on. Yeah, yeah, but he, when he tried to sing in it, it was just like wow. It's very <laughs> much like a few years later having Russell Crowe in Les Mis and that really. Um, <laughs> Was it Russell Crowe? Oh, what's his face? Ali G. Sasha Baron Cohen. He was in it. He was in Les Mis, wasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He plays the bloke that owns the bar, the, the tavern. That's it. Oh. Very sort of... Or uh, stains massive. <laughs> yeah, but he's not, he's yeah. not playing it as Ali G. That, yeah, that was work, <laughs> wasn't it? <laughs> Shell suit and all. That's another one I can't stand. Sasha Baron Cohen. I, uh, oh. I find him very much like a sort of Dom Jolly thing where yeah. it had its day. Yeah. Yeah, just Dom Jolly, Trigger Happy TV, two series of it, fantastic. Really good. And then it was just milking the same joke. And I think with Ali G as well, when it started and he had his own show, it was genuinely brilliant seeing yeah. him interview people like Donald Trump and, and Jacob rees Beckham's. Beckham's. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> but then it just became too popular where the spirit of it was lost, where it became about the catchphrase and the merchandise. Yeah. When actually it started out as a really satirical thing, it was, was a lot cleverer than it got given yeah. credit for. I think you've. Oh, who was it? He was, uh, <laughs> I think he interviewed Tony Benn or someone as well. Yeah. Mm. And it was just great. Because uh, they, they did, didn't, didn't know. Get it, did they? Yeah. they just didn't I thought it was some youth programme. Yeah. And do you remember, I, I don't know if you'd remember, Charlie, but Paul might. Do you remember there was a Dennis Pennis? Oh, yes. Um, Dennis Pennis? Uh, yeah. Paul, 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 Paul K. Yeah. yeah, Tom Cruise losing it with him. When he was, yeah, because yeah. he used to get them all on the red carpet, didn't yeah, he? sort of like ask I mean, questions. You think I say offensive things? Yeah. So I remember him saying, I can't remember the specific joke, but he'd it'd usually be at a film premiere, wouldn't it? Yes, like, yeah, like in, in Leicester Square. And I remember Brian May being there and him asked, saying something really, really dodgy about Freddie Mercury, Ooh. and you think like. No way would that get put on TV yeah. now, even well, the, if it is satire. The only one I remember, it was Helena Christensen was there, and it said, why did the... It just went out to her, the microphone, and he said, why did the supermodel stare at the carton of orange juice? Because it said concentrate. Because it said concentrate. And the look <laughs> on her face, <laughs> right, as he, he just walks away, he just walks away, <laughs> and the camera just focused on her face, and it was pure... Confusion. Yeah, that's great. That's it, that makes it even better than yeah, her being offended. Like, and he was like, "I don't know what I've just had." Was was that? Gen- it was actually you could see that the cogs were going in her processing. Head. Yeah, and it was like. I don't understand. I really no, don't. It's probably just thinking. That. I don't point like orange juice. Yeah. Point proven, then, <laughs> yeah, really, exactly. isn't it? And it was but I think classic. One <laughs> of the issues, though, with it was that there's it, you had to sort of like get that correct balance between sort of having a pop at their egos yeah. and genuinely being like nasty mm. like, for no reason so that's yeah. why I love it when Tom Cruise loses it because he's oh, like so desperate to like convey himself as Mr Nice Guy but then the, the mask sort of slips doesn't it <laughs> yeah. now and then it did in the latest Mission Impossible didn't it you've heard that audio yep no talking no. of masks yeah. slipping yeah exactly. <laughs> But although I found, I wasn't sure whether some of that was contrived because he starts going on about, we're so lucky to be doing this. 
um, people would kill to have our careers. Yeah. And Basically what happened, someone wasn't wearing a mask on the set of the late... Oh, yeah, right, OK. And the audio was recorded of him going ballistic, a bit like that one Christian where Bale. Christian Bale did it on Terminator Salvation. That was... Wasn't that something to do with a mobile phone or something? Or was that Russell Crowe? I'm sure Russell Crowe lost it. Well, I mean, he Honestly, usually yeah. uses it, doesn't he? But I, I did wonder if the Tom Cruise one was there slightly a contrived element of, oh, look at this great kind of um, health-conscious guy. Like, he's following the guidelines and to be saying, oh, people would kill to do what we do. It's like getting talk about getting people mm. on side and that. Cunt. <laughs> Not a fan? Um, mixed feelings really because I think he can be a very good actor I thought, thought Magnolia was brilliant some of his mm. movies are surprisingly good Edge of Tomorrow I found Lovely. you really liked that great, didn't you great I thought that was a great film yeah. I remember you waxing lyrical about that Me. when it came out yeah, yeah. you Lovely. actually couldn't wait for it to then be released on Blu-ray oh, so you could see it yeah. again yeah, yeah. I I must have seen that film a good half a dozen times. Yeah, yeah. Watch never every, watched watch it. it every year once a year. Yeah, never watched it. it. Doesn't I'm not. I look at it and I think is this my going to be my sort of cup of tea? But I'd say it's not. No, <laughs> it's <laughs> it's one of those. It, it's cleverly written as well. Um, well the fact I remember of, it being a novel. Um, it had a different title though, didn't it? Yeah. Live die repeat. I think they renamed the yes. movie at one point, yeah. didn't they? As well. So yeah. I don't know if that's the same. So. Yeah. So it's sort of that Groundhog Day thing, <laughs> but. Novel, yeah. Groundhog Day, yeah, yeah, it's, it, but, but it's more than that. People yeah, it's adapting. Oh, it's Groundhog Day with science fiction. No, no, it's not. It, no, it's no. one of those sort of rip roaring action films that has a genuinely sort of like well worked out concept. Yeah, it, like Minority Report. Or yeah, something, yeah, you stick with it and you're rewarded because it's like this is brilliant. They thought this out. It loses it a bit in the middle once they've got past that battleground. Scene. Yeah, but I like it. I mm. do like. I like. The, I like the structure of it leading up. To mm. how his thought processes go through as to how am I going to get through the next 10 seconds before I get killed again, you know. Yeah. It's, it's brilliant. It's frustrating to watch as well. Yeah. He's a weird actor, though. He's a weird actor because it's like, it's not so much that I think he's bad, it's just I've become, he's become so famous that he, tra- he often transcends the film that he's in and it's like very hard not to watch it and think that's Tom Cruise. Then mm. again, that ain't nothing new. Cary Grant did it. Yeah. You know, it's a Cary Grant movie. Yeah. It's a Humphrey Bogart movie. You know, that's the we had that with Sabrina. All we could see was Humphrey Bogart, not the older guy character that he was playing. Bill Paxton. Bill Paxton. <laughs> what about Bill Paxton? Well, I know you're not a big fan of his acting oh, that ability. That's just being sarcastic, no, really. That, that was a. That, that was it. Yeah, certain people just bug me. Mm. Bill Paxton was one of them. Sasha Baron Cohen is definitely another. Charles and Eddie. <laughs> Would I like to? <laughs> Would I like to? Yeah. You can't stand that song, I remember no, you saying. I can't stand that either. It is no. dog shit to be it fair. It is, yeah. Um, yeah, there's certain things that. Greta Thunberg. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing against Greta Thunberg. N- nor me, to be honest. I, I think she's a bit precocious, but she would have had to be to sort of achieve what she's yeah. done. I think people just a lot of people just don't like being lectured by a child, by, well, child. By, any, by anyone really. Yeah, <laughs> how dare you? So why are we here today? I thought we were just having a booze. Today. Yeah, drinking. Yeah, and I'm not being all spiritual or whatever. So why are we here? What's the meaning of all this? <laughs> you know. 
It's, I think we're here to see Paul get really upset. I think that was, that was a large part of why I chose this. Um, <laughs> I didn't think he would have this reaction. I well, really didn't. Well, I just want to repeat the text I sent to you both in midweek mm-hmm. whilst I was watching this movie, which just simply said, I hate Charlie. I hate Charlie. Um, <laughs> which is weird, because I thought you were a bit of a gearhead. So, another <laughs> bit of the packet. But also... <laughs> I'm a bit surprised by Charlie's reaction to it because I thought Charlie picked it because he liked it. It's always troubled me. It's right. Okay. It's a, it's a troubling so film. You're going to treat this as therapy, then you well, need to it, it's talk a, about it. It's so. a troubling film in the sense that, as I've sort of, I've got to reiterate that I'm a massive fan of the Who. Yes. And I'm a mm. massive fan of that album, which was released like six years before, I think. Mm-hmm. It just, it, it doesn't quite sit right for you yeah and it, it I don't know if it could have been better because I'm not convinced that the story is a particularly great narrative one it's just could it have been better and could it have been very different in dif- in the hands of another director different maybe director. Yeah. I could see that mm. okay let's top up our glasses let's play the trailer it's Tommy we'll be back after this We are proud to announce a truly outstanding rock opera film, Tommy. some of the greatest names in music and the cinema. Tommy by The Who and based on the rock opera by Peter Townsend stars Anne Margaret, Oliver Reed, Jack Nicholson, Elton John, Eric Clapton, Tina Turner, Roger Daltrey as Tommy. Don't miss Tommy, the film. Your senses will never be the same again. That's Tommy, released on the 26th of March 1975 in the UK, directed by Ken Russell. Now, I'm going to read this cast list out as it says, first build only. Okay, so it's, it's this is how these, these guys are billed in, in the movie, right? Not necessarily like who you think would be top of the bill, because Roger Daltrey comes down at number three here. I suppose just because he's, he 
portrayed by a child for so long if mm. in the film yeah. yeah it says here first build only Oliver Reed Anne Margaret Roger Daltrey Elton John Eric Clapton then we get John Entwistle Keith Moon Paul Nicholas Jack Nicholson Robert Powell Pete Townsend he's way down there Tina Turner Arthur Brown didn't realise Ca- that was Ca- Arthr Brown yeah that's him yeah. in the uh, the hawker scene in the church and the he's priest he's, well, yeah. yeah yeah. thought I recognised him but I didn't realise Arthur Brown um Synopsis. Nora Walker is told that her British fighter pilot husband is missing in action and presumed killed in World War II. On VE Day, Nora gives birth to their son, who she names Tommy. While Tommy is an adolescent, Nora marries Frank, a shifty camp a shifty camp counsellor. Shortly thereafter, Tommy suffers an emotionally <laughs> <laughs> That's done me, Dad. Well, sh- a shifty camp. A camp counsellor. Pardon. Oh, <laughs> Remember when you were young? Get get her some lovely legs competition. Glamorous grannies, here we go. Shortly thereafter, Tommy suffers an emotionally traumatic experience associated with his father and stepfather, which, based on things told to him at that time, results in him becoming deaf, dumb and blind, a situation which several people exploit for their own pleasure. As Nora tries several things to bring Tommy out of his psychosomatic disabilities, Tommy, now a young man, happens upon pinball as a stimulus. Playing by intuition, Tommy becomes a pinball master. Pinball wizard, I think we'd say. One of the issues I have is that Elton John plays a character called the Pinball Wizard, but he's singing a song referring to Tommy as a pinball wizard. That's true. Come over that in a second, which in turn makes him, and by association, Nora and Frank, rich and famous. Nora literally shatters Tommy to his awakening, which ultimately leads to both the family's rise and downfall, as people initially try to emulate Tommy's path, then rebel against it. That is a really shit synopsis, and I do apologise. Did just... I want people to watch the fucking wow. film? I've just explained everything, haven't um, I? Yeah. Hugo, who's written that on IMDb, but it's, it's the first one I came to, sorry. It should have said spoiler alert before spoiler that alert, synopsis. Really. Giving it all away. Where do you want to start with this? Because we've got three not vastly different opinions. There's two... Different opinions to mine. Um, the correct ones. <laughs> yes. No, I, I, I don't. I don't believe that. By the right, way. Right. Well, I'm. Mean, I'm interested to hear like what Paul thinks of it as a first-time watcher. We know this is going to be very, very interesting. Charlie has, by his own admission, got issues with the movie, and I've got no problem with it whatsoever. Both ethical and artistic. Okay. Mm. Who wants to go first? Oh, I'll start the ball rolling. Um, oh, cool. <laughs> nice. Hey. It was a film of two halves. Other cliches are <laughs> yeah. available. Because I truly think the first half of the film was shockingly diabolical. <laughs> Don't sit on the fence. <laughs> so you think. Um, so you think. The acting, the singing, the lyrics were written by a two-year-old through most of it it wasn't until you finally got to uh roger daltrey growing up and becoming the pinball wizard that the music got more like the who that i know and love um the story became more developed Mm -hmm. it actually became more of a musical or rock opera up until that point, it'd been someone playing about on a keyboard, some 12-year-old on a guitar. Um, it 
was just shockingly oh, shy. You mean the Sally Simpson part? The 12 year old and the guitar? It just. <laughs> befuddled you, did it? I, I just. I could not understand how someone put up money to make that film. How that first. It's quite a damning statement, <laughs> isn't it? How was this even fucking made? It, the, the concept. Yeah, there's there's a reasonable concept there. I'm not uh, even sure about but, that, to be fair. Well, making out that he was some messiah by the end of it. But the, the first part, first sort of quarter, half of the film was... I mean, if I hadn't have been watching it to review it, there's no... How long would you have lasted? Oh, ten minutes. It's <laughs> quite good going. It's, it's for him. <laughs> and I mean, I, I t- hey, let's just join the Uncle Ernie scene. <laughs> yeah. We'll get to that in a minute as well. I don't mind weird. Um, obviously, I'm a Pink Floyd fan. There's, there's... Was, it, was it only the fact that you knew that the Who were involved in this, and it's got to get better at some point? Is that what? Is that why? You... I was hoping it was going to get better at some point. <laughs> it, it was, and I mean, it was pretty freaky. I mean. Right near the start, you get sort of bunny girls with gas masks coming in, and is that not like the implication is that one of the theatres has been bombed? That's what or, I got. Yeah, right. I, it's I still mean, done in quite a weird way. Isn't yeah, it? the the fact that he turned deaf, dumb, and blind because they both sung badly at him, <laughs> telling him, <laughs> telling him not he hasn't seen or heard anything. Um, Oliver Reed, I thought, was by far the worst actor in this movie. Yeah. I, I thought like, I really like his physical acting. I just everything's overblown, isn't it? I think, yeah, and I mean, it, with any musical theatre, everything is sort of overacted, oversung, and I get that, and I'm not adverse to that. But when it's done well, mm. it. I say the lyrics got me. I had the subtitles on because the copy I had had them on all the time. And obviously it makes you concentrate more on what they're actually singing because you're reading it as well. And it was just, yeah, they've gone to a fucking junior school and just got a load of kids to write it for them. Well, I mean, to be fair, that's that's Pete Townsend you're having a dig at, really. <laughs> he wrote it. Yeah. yeah. Hello. But, and that's, so that's not the film's fault. No, but when say. you get to, like, obviously when they go into Pinball Wizard, and from then on, the music is so different, so much better. I think so. It's, it's certainly more rock and roll based, uh, with the, maybe the exception of the Eric Clapton and Arthur Brown passage. Mm. Was it a case of trying to cram in that storyline before you get to the main bit then? So it's like, well, we need to, we need to tell this whole... Oh, well, I'm not saying the story didn't need to be told. I'm just saying it was done really badly. Compared to, like... 25, 30 minutes into the movie where the songs become a bit better as you're Yeah, uh, and it's not just, I mean, it's not just because I recognise some of them, yeah. it's just because that there was a definitive change in the music. And the fact that Daltrey then becomes like one of the main vocalists yeah. as well. So is that the point then, that the, 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 the entry of Daltrey <coughs> is, the, is, is the turning point? I don't know, ask Uncle Ernie. <laughs> 
Brilliant. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, want, I want an answer to this. I'm sorry, <laughs> what was the question? When Roger Daltrey first turns up, <laughs> was, that, was that sort of the turning point for you? Then it's like, okay, now let's forget that first 20, 25 minutes. This is where the story really starts. Oh, no, that was still burned still into shit. my skull. Um. Well, it's not so much Daltrey turning up as when Tommy becomes cured and he starts singing because... Yeah, and, and I mean, the story was much more interesting in him becoming this kind of messiah that everyone wanted to follow and be like yeah. and and then obviously bringing the downfall of mm. that um but yeah it was like it was almost like two completely different people had written the first and second part of the film oh you don't know how close to the truth you are with that really oh, or even the album actually because mm. one thing i've got to say is that as much as there are flaws with this film they haven't really changed that much of the story from the original concept that's in the yeah. rock opera, but... Sorry, I've lost my train of thought. One second. <laughs> yeah, it's like... Uh, funny. The funny thing is for me is that Pinball Wizard is the big hit of the album, which and I yeah. think it got to like number three in the, the UK charts in 1969. Yeah, yeah. Originally, the album had been made and uh, the Pinball part was not in the story. All and, right, okay. uh, Back in sort of like the late sixties, this was a time when people would go to places like in Soho and play pinball and that in sort yeah. of like, but they'd be in cafes and restaurants yeah. and towards coffee bar and all coffee that bars and that. Yeah, Soho was always arcadey as well. They always had yeah. lots of arcades. Yeah, not so much the year of the coffee bar, probably in the late sixties, but mm. Bar Italia and that, that isn't sort it? of yeah. thing. It was still that sort of like cosmopolitan air to it, yeah. as well as the CD side of. Of Soho as well, definitely, and and Pete Townsend used to play pinball with a, I think he was a Guardian journalist called Nick Con or Nick Cohen, mm. um, and he reviewed the album and he said this is all really sort of good stuff, but it's a little bit too uh, po-faced. Right. What can you add to it? And Pete Townsend had the kind of brainwave of well. I know he likes pinball. What I'll do is I'll make Tommy become like a pinball champion. I'll just shoehorn that Exactly, in. yeah, because it very much is when you think about it. And it's like, I always find it ironic that like one of the defining moments of the album and the film is actually something that was just shoehorned in, as you say. Because mm. in the film he finds the pinball machine in the junkyard, doesn't he? Yes, working. And there's... T- <laughs> <laughs> Is that is that the, the most of your worries in this whole? No, the believe me, it's not. Say, Carl Pilkington made a brilliant point on the Ricky Gervais show once, when he said, "Well, why did they bother putting money in the pinball machine if he's having a go on it?" <laughs> <laughs> you never know. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's. I mean, the weird and wonderful aspects of it. Yeah, it remind me of a lot of other things of of that era. Mm. Um, e- even to the point, like I mean, I I love Monty Python, and they were as weird and wacky as they come. But some of it felt really overly forced into the movie. Um, Did you find any of it pretentious as well? Those, yeah, I think it. I I could see this as a proper self-indulgent prospect by the Who. Um, 
to just do something because obviously bands like the Beatles and that had made films before and it's just like knockabout sort of yeah stuff. I don't, I'll take it the Who financed this did they I believe so yeah so um, it was a passion project for them to realise that which a lot of it was very much Tommy was always very much a passion project for Pete Townsend that's what I mean it's, so yeah. is it a case of right okay we're going to you know film Who films and Quadrophenia will come a couple of years later out of all of this but it's like, well, we want to visualise this rock opera that we've, you know, we've had a fair bit of success on the album with. Well, it, it's the, the album that changes them from being a singles band into like into a respected the, yeah. sort of. Yeah. They were respected, but mm. they'd never had that one album that was entirely sort of like unique well, as a body of work. It's that era of the sort of. 70s especially the early 70s of prog rock where people made the concept albums and yeah. and it was just one piece of work split into tracks rather than as you say the singles especially those bands in like the british invasion yeah like absolutely the beatles, the stones the beatles are an exception because their albums were fantastic mm. and sergeant peppers changes everything in that regard yeah, like the early albums were. but you look at the kinks the stones the who their oh. early career is very much defined by individual songs rather yeah. than this is a masterpiece of an album. That's mm. it. And then, the, the, like you say, the King's Village Green Preservation Society oh, and all that sort and of thing. So, yeah, yeah, they all start becoming more developed, 66, 67, you know, that sort of era. It's the, the nature but, of music changes and the album becomes mm. so much more important as a thing in itself. I think it's yeah. about that time. Don't albums start out selling singles as well at one point? Yeah, in the yeah I wouldn't be surprised because, as, well. as you say, beforehand, and especially if you look at the Beatles' early albums, they're, they're just greatest hits, really, aren't they? They're greatest they hits and totally B-sides. It was, it was, you know, when they got together with like, George Martin, where it's right, we need four hit singles off this album we need five hit singles write me five hit singles and then give me the filler yeah. sort of thing um, but then as a concept album or an album that's designed to be listened from start to finish over two sides or four sides whatever it may be yeah it's got to tell a story and it was just a great era for experimentation mm. and I think even if there's not a story involved there is a sense that the whole body of work sort Flows. of tonally and thematically sort of links together yeah mm. so I mean I don't know too much about the history of the making of this movie but I've got the impression that it was financed possibly by the Who to, it, to, to bring it visually it's, to it's life it's obviously a passion project from someone Towns who, who yeah. has let their ego <laughs> just just let yeah. their ego oh. run away with it and, and not actually fault hang on get someone a bit more qualified in, involved to sort of evolve the ideas yeah. and, and make them into something that could have been a decent sort of film decent rock opera right well let's let's talk about ken russell then because i don't know how familiar you are with ken russell mm, charlie's very. probably a bit more I've not seen a huge no. amount of his work, but I know what the kind of general sort of thread between his work is, like in terms of this sort of psychosexual art house stuff. Like it's all a bit kind of, you know. I'd like to go there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm guessing this is very much the, the kind of person who would was sort of like influenced by a new wave and kind of Freudian psychology and sort of tries to combine yeah. those things and yeah I, I can imagine they wanted it to be a bit edgy we, we know how <laughs> controversial this is with some of the scenes we're going to be talking about and what goes on Ken Russell in that respect was probably 
the best director at the time to deal with Uncle Ernie, to deal with, you know, the, the, the yeah. cousin with all of those. And Kevin. Yeah. Because of because of the devils, because of, you know, all that stuff that he'd made in the late 60s. With the Lawrence. Yeah, the D.H. Lawrence adaptations. And and, and, and Ken Russell courted controversy, didn't he? When was Listomania with with Roger Daltrey? Was that That before or after? That was like two years after or a year after. after. Right, okay, so they carry on working with Ken Russell. Um, I'm just looking at the reception at the time, okay, just to give you some idea of what the critics thought at the time of release, right? Vincent Canby, New York Times. It may be the most overproduced movie ever made, <laughs> but... Fair shot. Yeah, but there is wit and reason for this. Mm. It is the last word in pop art. Everything, including the sound level, is too much. But even this works in an odd way. The victim of the movie is as much the person sitting in the audience as it is too much. <laughs> That's brilliant. Oh, I love that. That's perfectly good. Um... Variety called the film spectacular in every way, adding the production is magnificent. The multi-track sound, trade name <clears throat> Quintaphonic, which I didn't realise, Quintaphonic, is terrific. The casting and the acting is great. Paul would not agree with that. And the name cameos most showmanly, because we have got some spectacular. Oh cameos yeah, here. I, I don't disagree with that, and and even the casting, I I don't disagree with. I just think. There's a lot of really bad acting in there. A lot of... But again, some of it's down to the script, as it were. Um, And again, the two halves of the film are just night and day. If you could have given me two hours based on the second half of the film, I think I would have probably really enjoyed it. There's only three actual... Actors in this, and Margaret Oliver Reed and Jack Robert Nic- Powell, Jack Nicholson and Jack Nicholson well. in very brief cameo because yeah. he don't act; he sings his part. It's as well. very strange, very strange cameo. That bit, for that me. bit is tacked in. Paul Nicholas, well, he yeah, was a musician as well. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, he was more. Yeah. Was he Jesus Christ Superstar or one of the Godspell? One of those. Um, he was he? Jesus Christ. Superstar, Jesus Christ. Was, yeah. Um, Vincent Pinner. Just good friends. Well, he released a theme of that as a single as well. Yes, yeah. I've I've just watched the whole of that series. I I love that. I mean, Penny was it? Yeah, John Sullivan. Jam Francis was it? Jam Francis. Yeah, Sullivan. Yeah. Proper Sunday night British sitcom, wasn't it? Really good. Really good. Slightly dated now, Mm. but um, yeah, I I think he he does a good job actually. But very um, good in this. One one thing I've got to say before sort of going to the cast is that I know. A lot of people kind of throw this accusation at Ken Russell, like it's almost like his fault that the film doesn't work. But it's a Ken a, Russell film. Even, but even as someone who sort of like holds Pete Townsend in very high regard musically, yeah, I I think the the story of Tommy, even on the album, is hugely sort of like all over the place and not a particularly great piece of narrative work if you know mm. what I mean and the fact yeah. that this pinball stuff is just shoehorned in kind of mm. speaks to that but I do think that Ken Russell has a few you know difficulties with, with the source material that he has to work with in that See, respect on, on the flip side I like the randomness <clears throat> of it though yeah I, I think that's why I like the fact that there is no structure to this and it is almost like 
24 MTV music videos tacked together. Yeah, Certainly, with a bit of know. Clockwork Orange and yeah, yeah. <laughs> things and like that. It's like, I don't know where this is going to go. Can you imagine me watching this for the first time? I was... Here we go, Scott. Five. Picture Picture Palace. Palace. <laughs> Here we go. The premiere of this was on BBC One, and it was the early 80s. And I, I told you this, didn't I, I think, when... I think was it like a video drone sort of... No, or? it was it was a prime-time BBC One thing, I think, on a Wednesday night at about half past nine. Yeah. Mm. I may be completely wrong here. This could be my memory playing tricks on me. But in the build-up to it, I'm going to say it was about 82, so about six or seven years after it was released, which is about right, isn't it, for the yeah. first time for TV broadcast back then. Front page headlines, In the Sun, oh my God, the BBC are showing Tommy. No mention of Cousin Kevin, Uncle Ernie, from what I can see, but it was all Anne Margaret writhing in beans. And then and <laughs> and detergent and, and chocolate. And it looks like Bobby Sands' prison cell. <laughs> 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 And, and there was no mention. Of it. it was like, oh, and, and there's, a, there's a quite a disturbing scene with Keith Moon and all this. But it, that wasn't the headline at the Don't time. Don't you think that is very kind of uh, symptomatic of that time where people know this stuff is going on and they, they sort of choose not to speak <laughs> not to about it? Like, like, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, that's what the whole album and film's about. Yeah, but of course, you get a front page headline in The Sun back then, 1982. Um, Channel 4 might have just started I don't know because Channel 4 started 82 so I can't remember when the premiere was so we've got three possibly four channels everybody's going to be watching this aren't they of course they are mm. and, and, and mind, they had the same reaction as Paul yeah <laughs> but then you've also got the Who are still together at this point and obviously one of the biggest bands yeah was it sort mm. of Squeezebox and all that sort of that Bit, sort of well, time when the film came out I think that was the same year that Squeezebox there was released because yeah. it was on the Who by Numbers yeah and then by the time that premiere would have been would like few years after Keith Moon's passed away, so Kenny Jones is going to be the oh, drummer. Of course, we're talking that and sort of time. That would yeah. have been about the sort of same era as when they did like You Better, You Bet, you bet and you bet. Uh, yeah. Face Dances and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. So, so that would have attracted a big audience yeah. in itself, I think. So at the time, it was like, oh, controversial movie. BBC are showing it prime time. I watched it. I was 12, I was 13, whatever. And I'm not going to say that is one of those cases where I watched it too young. Oh, because fuck, you I did. No, because I'm thinking... I did. When I was... <laughs> you're now 50? <laughs> Don't want to watch it for another 100 years, I guess. Um, it just fascinated me. That's because, it, yeah, yeah. Because, I, because you know me, my love for the 60s, my love for the 60s bands, all right? We've got the who. But we've also got something... A bit psychedelic that, you know, to my mind was a bit, oh, a bit Magical Mystery to a bit Sergeant Pepper, a bit Woodstock for me, you know, which is the stuff that I love. And I'm thinking, this is great. And then it's like, it's Tina Turner. Back then, Tina Turner was forgotten. Oh, it was like a wilderness. Yeah. 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 Wasn't that around the time she was in Mad Max Beyond? That, that was, was three. Yeah. yeah. See, what happened was this came out 75. Uh, the Private Dancer album didn't come out till about. 83 three or four yeah. yeah so when this was made 75 yeah she hadn't had a comeback with no, like simply the best much, and all yeah. that it was all a few years after pretty much because I remember when Private Dancer came out 82, 83 huge album wasn't it yeah and I'm thinking I know that name mm. 
And I didn't associate it with Nutbush City Limits or yeah. Proud Mary or all that sort but, of stuff. Yeah, Tina Turner very much has a career of, like you say, with a film like Two Halves. Like, I look mm. back on the era where she was a genuine sort of almost like rock and roll star yeah. when she was making the stuff with Ike. And, and yeah. like but she, for us, growing up... that well, what I, Yeah, but what I grew up with with yeah. Tina Turner is the same, mm. that kind mm. of bit more overblown camp sort of pop yeah. stuff mm. as opposed to being genuinely yeah. sort of like known as being a great dancer and great live performer. See, we didn't see that side no. of it, you know. We we got the comeback era. Mm. Um, and not really knowing that what she was famous for, did we, Paul? I think oh, that's No, no, and, and it was only years later you found out she had primetime TV shows in and the you get, 60s. Yeah, you and, get the whole like, and, and Tina yeah. story and all of that. I think one of the big things that happened as well was when you had the Angela Bassett film. Like in the was it early nineties, late eighties? What's love got to do with it? Was yeah, yeah, yeah. Nine, 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 and you know yeah. someone's become like a household name, but when films like that are being released, like those sort of biopics, mm. I think. So to see this for me when on my first viewing, <clears> this <throat> is why I'm trying to say I'm, I'm totally respecting both your opinions on this, but mine is completely different to yours because I watched it, I think, and saw it in a different. In yeah. a different light, in a different way. Definitely. Um, and it's always stuck with me because just of those visuals, just of those... Cinematog- crazy- some of the cinematography yeah. is outstanding. Yeah. And, like and the opening I, shots. And even like to the point of, yeah, this made mid-70s, mm. like some of the sets must have cost quite a lot of money. Even the scrapyard with um, all the <clears throat> cars and the pinball machines, but... Towards the end, when they've got uh, Tommy's camp, yeah. all those pinball machines really? all being smashed up. How much has that cost? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, pinball machines are never cheap machines. That I mean, nowadays they're, they're about five grand then, no, sort of thing. Disposable back then, mate. Not not now. Yeah, because um, it's a retro sort mm, of nostalgic. Yeah, I suppose they were like probably 50s pinball machines sort of rather than yeah just you know yeah I've got a ton of them out of the back mate you know <laughs> yeah. um but but for me like even looking back at it this time I, I, I had a smile on my face watching it all the way through and yeah, I know you're going to disagree through. all the way through <laughs> even, even cousin Kevin I was because it was just like oh god I remember watching that first time round yeah and Yes, I can see what you're saying. The acting's bad at the beginning, or all the way through, or you know, or and some of it, as Charlie says, doesn't make any sense. But I like the fact that it doesn't make sense. Yeah, I, I mean, I remember watching some films it. don't have to be sorry. Some films don't have to have that fucking flowing narrative all the yeah. way through. No, I for me. totally, totally understand yeah. that. But uh, for a first time watch, I can see why Paul was completely baffled, and I can see Charlie. Well, you've got was, issues with it being the I wasn't baffled by were. the plot. I was yeah. baffled how it got made. <laughs> baffled why it was so successful. It's, <laughs> it's funny, though, because I watched it when I was... Oh, I must have been about 10 when I first watched oh, it. Oh, so you were very young. And yeah. the reason was is because The Who were sort of like the first ever band I really got into. So At 10? Uh, yeah, cause, I mean, because my, my dad... Choice of music. Both yeah. my, Mind you, mine was probably Queen. Floyd. Yeah, oh, yeah, Fair yeah. enough, yeah. <laughs> Not really, but... Uh, <laughs> But my dad, Queen and Bowie. Both my dad and my stepdad actually are huge fans of the oh. Who, like, and would have gone to see them at like the. They had a gig at the Valley, Charlton's Grand, like, oh, yeah. um, 
I think they played the Oval and that. So my dad would be going to those yeah, gigs. Yeah. So it was there was always a bit of a presence in my life, the Who. Mm. And I, I got so into them at one point that I watched this film and I think the only issue, uh, the only reason my parents probably didn't object to me watching a film like this is because the reason as to why I wanted to watch it is because they knew I loved the, the music behind yeah. it. Yeah, you've been brought up on it. But yeah. it's, what you've said there was sort of opened something in my mind as well where... I was definitely fascinated by it. Mm. Definitely fascinated. That's a good word to use. All right, let's ask Paul then as a first time watch. All right, you you said if you weren't going to be reviewing it today after 10 minutes, you would have switched off. Mm -hmm. As it went on, was there points you're thinking, I want to switch it off now? I want to switch it off now. Did you watch it because it's like, I'm intrigued to see where this is going? I wanted to see if it improved. <laughs> That's honest. Um, <laughs> and to see what they were doing with the storyline, because yeah. yeah, I mean, obviously, I've heard Pinball Wizard before many, many times, and it's a deaf, dumb, blind kid. I found the reason he turned deaf, dumb, and blind weak. But one Dad, thing I will say, though, is that the reason that album's called Tommy is because that's a reference to what... Uh, they change it in this. They change mm. it from the album to being set in the Second World War. Right. But the album... like So the song 1951 is actually 1921 in the album. So yeah. Tommy Gunn, Tom, was it? Or Tommy was the, the... In the way that Jerry was like the name for right. German yeah, soldier, yeah, Tommy. Yeah. And it's all about... what I think it's like a metaphor for the sort of post-traumatic stress disorder that came from okay. being in so where he's got a psychosomatic condition yeah. it's sort of saying like well that's similar to what the soldiers had when they come back and he's deaf dumb and blind because a lot of the yeah. that older generation they won't speak about yeah. their experience blocking the world out and being ignorant that yeah. yeah, and that makes me slightly respect the concept a bit more mm. even though it is yeah. like, it's a bit tenuous still yeah and, and the fact that breaking a mirror brought him back to breaking a mirror and going into some water. That wasn't water. well enough explained. No. That wasn't well enough explained. I think the idea originally was that he, Tommy as a child, he sees the murder take place in the mirror. Oh. But the film doesn't really right. convey that. So that, that would explain so much because yeah. he's always fascinated with mirrors. Exactly. I mean, and she that's a even real sings. That it doesn't explain yeah. him looking in mirrors all yeah. the time. She, mm. she sings about him like, yeah. "Oh, you can see yourself in the mirror, but you can't see me," exactly. sort of thing. Yeah. And see, I was paying attention. Oh, right. Paul's going to give it another star now. We're all right. Right now, we're working. We're working on it. Yeah, we've we've doubled it, it to we've, two. We've <laughs> that's another. <laughs> yeah, very generous. <laughs> that's another difference as well. So see, see that. Should have been made more. It's a serious obvious. flaw when it's not sort of explained well enough, Ooh, though, isn't it? Yeah, because the, the the jump to this mirror from nowhere, yeah, and and the fact that breaking the mirror gets him back to reality, yeah, that little ten seconds it would have taken yep. in a film to f properly focus on that or explain it. I think originally yeah. um, it isn't so much that, like, there's sort of like a Hamlet thing going on here with the story where, like, mm. his father is murdered. Yeah. Um, but actually, on the album, it was done so that Captain Walker comes back after the war and murders the yeah. wife's lover instead. Yeah. See, that would have made more sense to me, yeah. personally, because why would the wife be part of 
that murder of the person she'd known, loved, and thought she'd lost yep. than this sleazy, dodgy... Bit, bit of fun that she had on yeah. 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 But then that's where Ken Russell does start to bring his own influences into the film because for me it's like he's trying to do that sort of Oedipal sort of thing of like yeah. that... Mm. Yeah, there was a of, there was yeah. quite a bit of that in there. Yeah. It's just like quite they were very close. Not as close as he was to his uncle. But, um, <laughs> well, let's talk about that, shall we? Oh, <laughs> uh, right. Dear. Paul Paul sent us a text, Charlie, didn't he, while he was watching this? And he basically said, "Charlie, you bastard! I hate you." Sort of thing. I, I mean, I, I think he would have probably been entitled to call me a cunt but, but at this point he hadn't got to Keith Moon no I, I was almost texting live as I was watching yeah. so I sent him a text back I was just say two words wait till you get to Keith Moon that's all you need to see yeah and then that was it you was like oh my fucking god <laughs> can we just have your initial thoughts on on, on the Keith Moon section of this movie please? not his proudest wank <laughs> <laughs> challenging but I got there What did you actually think when, like, the babysitter turned up? Well, wasn't the f- the first babysitter was cousin Kevin, wasn't it? Yeah, oh, yeah, would have been. It, it was, yeah. yeah. Which obviously I recognised Paul Nicholas. Um, so, all right, let's, let's so he wanted Kevin to play weird the, games don't you with think him. That the f- but the first real example of him being abused is really the Tina Turner scene, in my opinion. Oh, it just, it just doesn't. Again, it's. Basically, what happens, I think, is that you know she gives him acid and then fucks him. But yeah, it definitely goes on a suggested. big trip of some kinds. Yeah. yeah, and it's like you know it's. The but then that'd be funny if you were actually deaf, dumb, and blind. And someone gave you some acid. That'll probably he, he did come out with a big smile on his face. Yeah. You, you would probably <laughs> experience a lot of things that the, would... the issue that I have with it is that it wasn't consensual though. Like, it's, <laughs> and it, it's uh, like that idea. I think the sort of uh, Uncle Frank character because that's where you first see Uncle Ernie. Don't forget as well. He's working he's there, in the booth, yeah. isn't he? He's there yes, yeah. Side, yeah. And it is that sort of very sort of old traditional attitude of all he needs is a good shag and he'd be sorted out. Yeah. yeah. Work for yeah, me. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I mean, but, it's a great fortieth birthday. But the fact that I've got some big, bloody metal carcass that looks like it's come out of Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> Which um, very nineteen seventy five. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he comes out again dressed very like Jesus with just a loincloth on sort of thing. Which he's prophesizing what's going to sort of... Yeah, it, it's it's very much a a biblical-based sort of story, isn't it? It's Pete Townsend was a very spiritual person. A lot, a lot of the musicians, they, they become dissatisfied with their life where they've got everything and they try and find answers in mm. different places. Yeah. And he was a follower of a, a guru in India called Maya Baba and Baba O'Reilly is, is a oh, right, okay. Yeah, 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 but okay. he took a vow of silence for the last 20 odd years of his life so that was another influence on why okay. Tommy is, is deaf it's and dumb, dumb but, yeah. but there's always a religious undercurrent you're right and that's again that comes from the fact that this is basically Townsend indulging mm. in his interests fuck what the yeah. western yeah. band yeah. wants. then you can about. also see why this is fascinating to me as when I first saw this and it still carries <laughs> on that I'm thinking, what the fuck is going on here? Mm. 
you've got this science fiction element of this like you know this robotic iron maiden thing going and i think and even back then when i first watched it, i think well i know that's drugs i know i didn't realize the symbolism of the acid queen being acid and the snakes yeah. And, and yeah, yeah but obviously now on, on future watches and you know subsequent watches it all makes sense Sorry, were you taking something? <laughs> you watch the same fucking film as us. <laughs> but, but my enjoyment of the movie has never diminished. Um, this is not going to be a case of like, do you know what, boy? If you watch this again, I think you'll love it. I really don't think you you will ever go back to this film ever, ever, ever. Never. Again. Yeah. You, you've seen it and you you know you've washed your hands of it completely um i had to scrub myself after watching it soiled <laughs> <laughs> oh, fucking hell do you know one of the problems i have is that you, you get the acid queen thing yeah and you've got cousin kevin mm. and then you've got uncle ernie and i just think this is getting a bit obsessive now in terms of the abuse it's in very short sharp yeah. like sequences yeah. that are happening within like 15 minutes but you, you're also movies. thinking like that thinking what the fuck's coming next then exactly. <laughs> right we've got to keep moving where does this movie go from here and it doesn't reach that level of depravity oh apart from the praying to marilyn monroe in the church yeah, and a, <laughs> just, i think that's just, quite a, a satirical comment about the, yeah. the, the idolization of celebrities yeah, and, that, it's isn't the icons it? like, and all that sort of thing and it's it? this is a, again it's a reference to the fallout of the second world war where everyone is looking for answers and, they, mm. and that's what happens in society and that's why popular culture became but, so much but bigger also, I think. as you say everyone's looking for answers but everyone's looking for someone to look up to as yeah. well at that point they they needed heroes sort of thing didn't they well tina turner said we don't need another hero so <laughs> They're but just trying this, to find their way home. It's those set pieces, and then you know, from the, from that thing, we go into um, where would we go after that? So you have the pinball thing soon after, don't you? But I think so. After so after yeah, so after the the church, how, how does he get to the junkyard, and how does he find the pinball? So machine? when she smashes him through the mirror, yep, and he falls into water. Basically, he goes missing. Yes. Because and the reason that make it allows it to make slightly more sense is the fact that when he's played the pinball machine, then the police turn up and then yeah. Margaret and Oliver Reed turn up. So there's a sense that he's ran away. Yes, and discovered yeah. this junkyard. Wasn't that from the babysitter? Wasn't it? He got away. I'm remembering it wrong. That's oh yeah, because it's before his cure, isn't it? It's not yes. when she smashes him. Mm. No, the no. I think he gets away from the babysitter, or he runs away. What? Once there, well, he runs away because of what's been done to yeah. him. No, that's it. Because they said they'd done the shit singing of, um, is it okay to leave him with Kevin? And yeah. then, is it okay to leave him with Ernie? And then they done, is it okay to leave him on his own? Oh, that's yeah, yeah, spot on, yeah. Mm. Because Oliver Reed actually <laughs> he comes into the room and sets uh. The gay news, a copy of the gay news, like, and that's another, that's another really bad thing. We're still in that era where people just conflate being homosexual to being a paedophile as well, which is really troubling. Um, but yeah, and Oliver Reed burns the paper, mm. and the I think the implication is that Oliver Reed probably gives him an iodine and that, like, which is I don't, I yeah, sort of got that, yeah. But that, yeah. yeah, I, I was not observant enough to pick up on that this time. That that's how he ends up in the scrap. Yeah, scrapyard because it, otherwise it would have just been too uh, tenuous, I think. Yeah. Do you know what I was thinking in that scene of the scrapyard? Mm. It's like health and safety. 
That's weird. I genuinely was thinking about it. There's no way <laughs> in like, this day and age an actor would be allowed to sort of be climb over yeah. all those cars that are just perilously piled <laughs> on top of each other. Well, I think they had the uh, benefit of Roger Daltrey being like a fucking fitness fanatic. Didn't they? Yeah, yeah, he was. He was seriously toned well, in was, that film, was, wasn't he? He was completely teetotal by that mm. point as well. We gave up uh, drinking drugs. Fairly. I don't even think he ever really took drugs. Um, but it's unusual for so- someone of his profile, like a rock god, to fitness is the only sort of indulgence that they have. Yeah. Fitness and fishing, mm. I think it was. Because McVicker's not long after this, is it? But about the t- McVicker would have come out about the time that you saw it on TV. Oh, yeah. Of course he was. I've yeah. seen McVicker, yeah. Great film, great film. Um, so, okay, so we go to the Pinball Wizard. Probably the most famous scene in the film. Yeah. Probably the bit you probably enjoyed the most, Paul. I'm going to hazard a guess. Mm, well, I enjoyed the music. Um, Elton John in his Platform. slightly oversized shoes. Mm. Why, um, the, why the who there? Why yeah. The, I mean, obviously, I watched yeah. Elton John. Because they haven't had any uh, participation. And they had to smash up their guitars and drums <laughs> on stage they had as to well. To type, didn't they? Yeah. <laughs> Did you notice how desperate Pete Townsend was to be sort of like on camera in that screen as well, jumping about? Yeah, because there was always that conflict in the Who, mm. like four different personalities all vying to have their sort of make their statement, yeah. like, which is always going to be a bit difficult when you have a like principal songwriter who controls most of it. Yeah. In fact, I think the only there's only two songs on from the album that aren't written by Pete Townsend. Um, and they're written by John Entwistle and that's Cousin Kevin and Uncle Ernie <laughs> which, which I'm really relieved by, about because if Pete Townsend had written Uncle Ernie it would have made you question that sort of uh, that whole thing that happened a few years back and it was it, he, he actually said in an interview that the reason he didn't write those songs was because he was a victim of abuse as a mm. child and it just mm. brought up too much stuff, really. Yeah. So, oh, that sounds wrong, doesn't it? But, um, <laughs> yeah, it was it was something that he left well alone and said to John Entwistle, he was only really the other one in the band who did write songs. Yeah. Uh, yeah, can you deal with this in, in whatever way you see fit? There you go. Can you hear me? Yeah. <laughs> oh. So, I mean, the other big scenes, I mean, we've got Jack Nicholson, as you said, appearing, but that's like a very, it's a very, very bizarre cameo. Yeah, he's the Nicholson, specialist, isn't he? Isn't he? And, and this is Jack Nicholson at his absolute peak. Right. Now, this is the bit where you said things were shoehorned in. That is the one I think, the, the only scene I could see was shoehorned in here. I, I know that it needed to be told that bit, but it's like, okay, it's Jack Nicholson, 75, same year as Cuckoo's Nest? Yep. Yep, slightly so, earlier in the year because you said this was released March, yeah. and I think Cuckoo's Nest was released late on in. But he was known before that, wasn't he? For Five Angry Pieces, you know, Easy Rider, Five, five, easy, five Angry Pieces. Five, five angry pieces. <laughs> That's a great combination of two films. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, so you got Jack and Nicole. He's not the mega mega star that we get to know after Batman. You know, or, or by the time The Shining comes uh, in the early eighties, yeah, 80s. when The Shining's out. But he's well on the way. Mm. Mm. Well on the and, way. Yeah, he's in it, what, two minutes, three it's minutes? one song, isn't it? Um, he, he's a charlatan, isn't he? Yeah, he, he, and obviously uses his suave, good looks to 
sort of and that hit was, on the uh, mother. <laughs> that was another thing that felt you on doing because it was like, well, we've got Jack Nicholson and Anne Margaret in the same scene. Yeah. We need to, we need to have like a, a sort of freeze on here, if you know what I mean. <laughs> like, there's got to be that because of the star power on show, yeah. and because there's no implication of that in the album. Mm-hmm. And it is, it's a bit weird because as a song, anyway, it, it doesn't really change anything in no. terms of the no. narrative, does it? No. He doesn't. He isn't the doctor that cures him. No. No, I actually thought that bit was in there because he'd end up that's curing a, him. But That's the only bit I find that was shoehorned in almost. The only thing I could sort of think of is that basically it is another example of how people ex- are exploiting Tommy. Yeah. Like It's just a different version of that. Like it might yeah. not be but physical that, or mental abuse. Obviously but. that bit is in the height of Tommy's fame. Yeah. And, and when they're living the high life and exploiting the adverts which brings me on to the <laughs> Rex they, Beans some, in some <laughs> respect I mean you mentioned Kimball Wizards mm. and I think you're right when you say it's the most iconic scene And, and but I also think that this what you're going to go into <laughs> is the, that's always the, the reference that people make with Tommy fucking baked beans well we no. did this when you said you were talking about Tommy bringing this to the table today and Paul said something about a musical singing in the rain, and I said it's more like singing in the beans, mate, because it is. It's it's just the sheer volume of the fucking things that come through. I, I, I said on Twitter recently, the Who have got some sort of obsession with baked beans no, as well. That. What's the, the album cover? The Who sell out with Roger Daltrey sitting in a bath of Heinz <laughs> beans. But it, for me, it wasn't so much the beans. It was when it went on to the chocolate and the chocolate and the writhing on the sausage shaped pillow and i mean (laughs) that that doesn't sound good at all but (laughs) then again it is they're being pretty it was subtle are they i mean that's the reason one of the main reasons this film couldn't be showed any earlier in the day even i i watching it this time got the impression that ken russell said right and love look you're going to be covered in beans purcell love beans right (laughs) You've got this lovely blow-up furniture and all that. Just do the fuck what you want with it. I'll just keep the cameras rolling. We'll see what we can use. She's gone, whoa, where we go, Ken? I'll have a bit of this, mate. Oh, it's that dance at the beginning. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, it's, and it's just like, yeah, Ken's there behind the camera, you know, probably trousers down his <laughs> He's like, he's like give it to me, Ed, give it to me. And, and she's just going mental with Do you want this. it? Yeah, <laughs> going mental with this fucking blow-up cushion. I, I mean, yeah. she was proper just riding that for a life. Well, do, you know, yeah. do you know what? If, if we actually titled our episodes, I think riding on a sausage shaped pillow <laughs> without <laughs> anything there. <laughs> oh. yeah. Three mates riding on a sausage shaped pillow. Here if you'd have just tuned in at that point, it didn't actually look like chocolate either. Like I say, Bobby. It looked like something out of train spotting. Yeah. Where <laughs> someone was coming off the heroin without try- without trying to like intellectualise that scene or anything oh, because it is do. nonsensical. <laughs> it is a bit like the Marilyn Monroe thing where like it's yeah. saying about how people become slaves to like. Advertising and mm. fucking yeah, influenced by the whole. Th- yep, exactly. It's commercialism. And but all it just goes way too far with it. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I know it's it's trying to show how much they're exploiting things and whatever people will do for a bit of money. 
Yeah. And that's the concept of it, surely. And it gets to the point where even they're exploiting their own son. Right? Yeah. Because yeah. They, they can acquire this kind of... Fuck knows how you get that sort of fame and wealth from playing pinball, but... I've, I've Yeah, I, I mean, certain points in the film where it said, oh, he's now pinball wizard of the world and he's just won a million dollars, and I'm like... Yeah, but then just equate that to a Premier League football. Yeah, but I, I'm yeah. thinking, has pinball ever been a competitive exactly. sport? So, <laughs> of competitive there, game? There was a novel like that was written around the same time as the album come out, which also influenced Pete Townsend, and it was called like Arthur the Pinball Wizard or something. So he was like, he probably ripped it off, really. It, it was it was a very much a just fictionalised account of someone who... Yeah pinball does become like i mean and this is obviously before video games came out and obviously when video games did come out we did get that where people would win blooming game or loads of money for being blooming pac-man champion of the world or whatever a bit like uh, youtubers now we play fifa all the time yeah yeah go into these competitive tournaments but i i don't know it might have existed you might have got money out of winning Pinball, but were they were they just ahead of their time? Were they yeah. predicting yeah. like the YouTuber kind of predicting Super Mario? Maybe? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Donkey Kong, King Space of Kong, Invaders, yeah, sort of thing, the yeah. first one. I mean, they had championships of that. But I'm not sure we could we should give them that much credit. But like, <laughs> just no. I think <laughs> I think we're actually making them look better than it was. Well, I'm, I'm uh, trying. See, I'm I'm trying. Almost, almost convincing Paul at some point. I'm, no, I'm my artist to fight the case for a film that I'm not overly keen on but yeah. as Scott has unlocked for me it's like always been fascinated by as well mm. and I think that's where you made the that's where we, you were confused about me saying oh I don't really like this because yeah. you had the impression that I did mm. yeah. it's, it, it is the fact that I've always been fascinated by no, Tommy I'd, as a concept but, but then I mean obviously you're a huge fan of who I'm a huge fan of Pink Floyd and yet if you ever see Live in Pompeii which yep. was that's brilliant that is I hate it. Do you really? Absolutely hate it. Really? Again, I think that is self-indulgent. Just, yeah, but this is the year of self-indulgence. <laughs> yeah, but I, I love their music. I love their live gigs, and I love it when they go off kilter and go a bit fucking mad with it. But I found Pompeii just. Fucking I, think shit. I, I think I just really like the set list as well because you've mm. got you've got things that are from the Sid Barrett era as well mm. like set, set the controls for the heart of the sun and all mm. stuff like that and then you've got like them going into sort of like the magnum opus of like dark side of the moon yeah yeah, but yeah each day like, music films I think it's an important comment to make that music films can be very hit or miss they mm. can work really well as we saw with the last waltz just about to say how would you yeah. compare this to it's not the same genre. Is it completely separate? We've got rock opera. We've got, but it's almost the same movie. year. Yeah, but it, yeah. I mean, I know it is a concert. The last waltz, and this is an entirely mm. different thing. But there are, as you say, there are concert films out there that are indulgent trap as well. Yeah, mm. yeah. Did you spot it's... the connection between the two films? Um, Eric Clapton. Well, you, there is that, but even more <laughs> specifically in that is that Eric uh, Clapton is performing. A Sonny Boy Williamson track oh. in that scene, which is who they mentioned quite yeah. prolifically. Yeah. It's the only uh, song from Tommy that wasn't original material right. by the mm. way, but it works brilliantly because it's saying about bringing eyesight to the blind. Yeah, true, true. Do you know? 
sorry, I read in Pete Townsend's biography that um, he wanted to do some work with Stevie Wonder, and Stevie Wonder, <laughs> you can see where this is going. <laughs> Stevie Stevie Wonder's kind of had the ump with him because he wanted to play the character that Eric Clapton was playing oh, in the movie, right? Okay. right. Yeah. And he sort of gave him, they met in a studio and he sort of gave him the cold shoulder kind of thing. Yeah. Mike just not knowing he was there. But, um. <laughs> Didn't see that coming. <laughs> One part of me thinks that would be fucking amazing, Stevie Wonder in that role. Uh, but also, it's like, oh, well, how can you have someone who's trying to persuade. <laughs> someone yeah. trying to persuade. I mean, you get a charlatan, but that's ridiculous. <laughs> you're not going to believe a blind geezer saying, this is the cure, are you? <laughs> Ray Charles in the Blues Brothers. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, in fairness, I said the other night that I'm not Clapton's biggest fan, no. but I, I really like that scene. Yes, mm. musically as well. I think See, it's, it's great. just fascinating. It's just the whole concept of it, with like the whole Marilyn iconography. You know, the, the statue being broken, the congregation wearing the masks, the thing in the mirror that looked like a Georgia O'Keeffe painting yeah. as well. And but. it's just like for me, it's just well. Where is this going? And, and I can fully understand, Paul. Your I'm, gonna say, I'm not going to say hatred because I don't think you hate the film. Uh, you were just disappointed with it. <laughs> I, I don't think disappointed story. is strong enough. Um, it's not your cup of tea at all, is it? I'm very it? concerned about whose cup of tea this is. <laughs> yeah, that, that's worrying. I suppose I'm not saying that I'm a, an advocate and I'm going to be singing this from the rooftops, but. At the same time, I've got no problem with this movie. I, I'm still just amazed that it got made the way it got made. Mm -hmm. mm. Um, just... I've always <sighs> said this would yeah, be a very uh, different film with but a different then, director. Yeah, but then if you mm. say, if it is true that the backers was mainly the band, then obviously, yeah. It's it's going to get made, but if they went to a studio and said, "This is our the premise of the story, whatever. This is what we want to happen," and went to like Warner Brothers or MGM or whatever, yeah. they'd have laughed them Warner out Brothers. of there. Yeah. <laughs> one thing, one of the things I was going to ask, well, how did you feel about what adultery actually playing, Tommy? Well, for most, well, for half of his performance was just staring blindly. Quite scarily at times. Yeah. yeah. Doesn't do a great deal. But of again, it. that, it's got to be quite difficult to do, is to stare and not let anything around you affect Especially the fact that you're Especially when you've got fucking Anne margaret on you, well. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> um, Incest or not. <laughs> but it's... His other acting, yeah, I wasn't disappointed with his acting. I think he's a pretty good actor, Roger Daltrey, to be honest, mm. as we see him at Vicar. Yeah. I've never mm. seen Listomania. Um, I don't think I have, actually. No. I, no. I only really became aware of it from reading Daltrey's biography mm. that came out a couple of years yeah. ago. But I, I, I sort of troubled by it a little bit just because what happened when Tommy came out is, I think it was actually Woodstock where they performed Tommy in its entirety yes, because it was the same year. Yeah. Okay. And he's Dolce's always said that there's this was the sort of shifting point in my career where I felt like I became Tommy. Mm. Like I so worried, every yeah. every yeah. performance yeah it's worried <laughs> but every performance he's kind of kept excelling at and in my opinion the who are pretty much 
after the Beatles split up, I think, and they weren't performing live for years before that anyway. I think you when can make. It was Leeds, 71, wasn't it? 71, yeah. yeah. I think you could make a. But I think it's from 1969, the concert, it gets released in 71. It's a bit of a last waltz sort of deal. Yeah, because they, they did Woodstock. They did, uh, they, Mon- did they did the Monterey Pop yeah. Festival and then they did uh, the Isle, Isle of Wight as well, so yeah. like the Holy Trinity almost. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's an interesting one because I think like, I, I just wonder what the film would have been like if it was a different actor playing Tommy. It seems like the two worlds collide in yeah. a way that I'm not sure really... I, yeah, I, I couldn't see anyone else playing Tommy. No, it's, 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 it's a Who movie, isn't it? So mm. somebody from the Who has got to be there at some. The only time you get you don't get that is Quadrophenia because the Who aren't in Quadrophenia. Yeah, but also because the other band members are so much in the background in this movie. Mm. Very, very. But much I don't so. think I don't think any of them had the sort of personality to be more forefront. The only one that does really sort of step up is, is Keith Moon. Yeah, Keith Moon plays... For a very short time. But plays the ultimate he's fucking, he's fucking brilliant, <laughs> in it, though, I think. Yeah, I, I, I mean, you if someone is that believable in a role, either they're very good yeah. or... He is very troubled. Very troubled. Or both. He, well, he was a very troubled man. <laughs> Him and Oliver Reed became lifelong friends after this. That does not that surprise me. Years, very 19, I think 1978 he yeah. died. About a week or two. I can't remember if it was before or after. Maybe after uh, the Who the Who Are You album is released. Yeah. Mm. And if you look at the cover of that, actually, he's sitting with the chair rotated to, to hide his... Sort of his beer gut by yeah. that point because he was just living in a totally sort of indulgent. Uh, look at the Oliver Reed autobiography, mate. Yeah. It's just fascinating because there's a couple of chapters just dedicated uh, to like his relationship with Keith Moon. They they basically lived in a stately home together and just got pissed yeah. for years. They didn't wrestle naked like in the Devils, <laughs> well, did they? There was no. Was no. that the Devils? Uh, no, that was uh, Alan Bates. Because yeah. <laughs> Ken, Ken Russell is quite keen on Oliver Reed because this mm. wasn't the first or last time that he worked with him, yeah. I believe. Mm. Can well, I just ask quickly? Sorry. No, go you, on, can't, you crack on, mate, because I was going to... Anne-Margaret as an actress. I'm familiar with... Sort of familiar with Viva Las Vegas. Was it Bye Bye Birdie? Bye Bye Birdie sort of very like early 63, I think. The iconic kind of scene where she's singing to the camera, sort of breaking the fourth wall. Yeah. By this time, how big a star would Anne Margaret have been? Because she still looks absolutely no. stunning. Yeah, I mean. not really, because she was. She was very much a sixties. Sixties sort of. musical star. Yeah, yeah. Uh, teen, teen idol type thing. Um, Danish, she, weren't she? Or still is? I don't know. Hello. Uh, yeah, definitely Scandinavian. <laughs> Hello. Yes, definitely Scandinavian. Uh, because if you look, it's Anne Dash Margaret, because her name was Margaret Anne. Right, I'm only just flirting with xenophobia there. But, um. <laughs> you know me. You know, I like to embrace other cultures. Exactly. Um, and <laughs> you know, later on she'll go on. Was it um, what's the Nick Rogue movie? Was it Carnal Knowledge or something like that? She does. Yeah. With she Gar- was in Gar- one of and... she was in one of those canon films with. Uh, where Shider as well, I think it was 52 Pickup, which is like pick an up El- is great. Elmore Leonard novel. Absolutely great. Roy Shider, I fucking love him, as you know. But, um, uh, she was never a massive Chief, star. Chief Brody from Jaws. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah, never a massive star, and Margaret, but um, I'd, I'd say Viva Las Vegas was the peak. 
I think she really oversings in this, though. Mm. Really overdoes it. Can I just... just Paul has notes. No, there's just one bit I've noticed right near the end that I wrote down that Mm. there's another scene that we've all forgotten about. The Hell's Angels biker fight Mm. (laughs) with him coming on a hang glider. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah, it wasn't unexpected for me. <laughs> uh, Neil, Neil, uh, uh, my Hello, colleague yes. and, and yeah, friend and a friend yeah. of the show, he mentioned to me the other day that at the time there was a show called uh, World of Sport. I think it was yeah, Dickie, yeah. Dickie, Dickie Davis. Davis yeah. He says he remembers in 1975 they showed that scene because it was the first time that hand glide, like hand gliding, was like a new sport. Well, right. Okay. 24 hour party people. Tony. <laughs> Great. <laughs> oh god Tony way, Wilson didn't he to open a film. so like, it was like a new kind of tri- it's it just all- been invented it was a mm. new yeah. it was like you know the- it was the CB radio of it's time yeah. kind of thing yeah right. but it was just how that sort of linked into anything and you're like he's loincloth up on the <laughs> <Loin-clothed> blue <laughs> On the flimmin' hand glider, singing away, and and I'm like, wow, this is just... Ken Ken Russell's ultimate wet dream. (laughs) I'm going to be poncy again, though, and try and intellectualise it. I thought it was just... In the the way that Tony Wilson mentions it, I think it's an Icarus reference. Could be. Because he flies too close to the sun, doesn't he? It all goes tits up, so... But yeah, I'm probably just being pretentious. And I think there. I've just managed to sum up the whole movie that this is Ken Russell's ultimate wet dream. For this <laughs> yeah. movie. It's just like, lad, you want me to make this movie for you? I'll be happy. You know what you need to do, though? We need a bit more of this. We need a bit more fucking mm. chocolate. We need a bit more fucking baked beans. We need, and, and, and that's it. We need a sausage shaped pillow. Sausage shaped pillow. <laughs> Keith, the Keith, I've got some rubber gloves here, Keith. You know, oh, it's yeah. just. Ken Russell probably got the most fun out of this movie than anybody because he was paid a shit ton of money to live his fantasies. Yeah. Mm. Charlie's fully agreeing with this, I think. It's it's certainly an (laughs) indulgence, isn't it? (laughs) But for me, I've got nothing bad. There there are a couple of sticking points in this movie, but for me, I fucking loved it. I don't know. Do we want to summarise it, Paul? It's just like you're never going to go back to it. No, never. Oh, it's a shame. It's a shame, but then, I mean, it's all subjective. I but, might uh, all objective. Sorry, I might punish someone in the future and say. I might some, put it on now. Like, we're all sitting here. If you want something know. to watch, really good film. Watch this. I wouldn't mind because my back's to the TV. So. <laughs> <laughs> so Charlie, have we sort of alleviated some of your your doubts and your your problems a with this? Bit. I'd be really interesting to see the stage uh, musical version that doesn't feature any of the Who or mm, Roger Daltrey. Yeah, and so mm. How does it work? Mm. Not just in a different medium, but like with actual musical kind of stage actors portraying it. And do they make any alterations to the plot themselves? Because yeah. yeah. I know, um, like Morris mentions, that he was never really a big fan of the film, despite. Loving yeah. the Who as well, yeah. But he rates the stage play very highly there from something I remember reading. I can mm. see this transferring to the stage quite well with, with yeah. a lot of tweaks, obviously. Because yeah. for me, as a film, the, the bits that work for me is one the scenes that kind of can be looked at as, as you mentioned, like individual MTV videos. videos I, yeah. I love the Sally Simpson scene. Yeah, 
which is a great song in a way and I really you know the young girl who's besotted with Tommy and oh, right, yeah, like yeah. priest and that. yeah but just it, I mean it's a great song it works quite well as a story on its own and I just burst out laughing every time that I see a Marry a teenage rock star who looks like Boris Karloff. <laughs> <laughs> Again, that's another example, though, where I think, oh, this makes a lot of sense, this part. Mm. This is, you know, this is improving things dramatically. And then they just throw in that, just throw in the fact that the kid looks Random. like fucking Frankenstein's monster. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yep, absolutely. That is the film in microcosm, <laughs> I would say. <laughs> Let's leave it at that. I think I think we've got three, not wildly different, but three nicely variable opinions there. I like that. I like it when we don't agree on everything. I do. It's one of the reasons I did. I'm only like taking a piss when I say it was to wind you up. Was I was really keen to talk about a film that troubles yeah. me and I have issues with. Because I remember when we started that. It seemed like every film that we were picking was oh that's brilliant that's four well, we that's five stars. Just picking the nuggets, mate. Every yeah. time, weren't we? That's we, we deliberately picked classic movies yeah. that we knew we were going to love. But we got some correspondence from people. I think it was like the film thugs saying, mm. "I'd be really interested to know what your take on a, a film that you don't enjoy, mm. or, or something that we take the piss out of from start to finish, like the boys from Brazil. Well, Dunstan checks in. Dunstan checks in. Cop and a half again. <laughs> um, <laughs> Mildred Pierce. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Great film. <laughs> See? Yeah. See, I, I'd stuck up for that film as well. <laughs> it's the one he... The, the first one he... This is where he, le- he left yep. us. That Wait. was the movie. Dropped <laughs> us with that clanger. <laughs> no, I was, I was here for Mildred Pierce. I remember it. Oh, yeah. I remember recording it in this room. I think it might have been the same it was episode s- where we did Neil by Mouth. No, maybe. no, it was Singing in the Rain. Singing in the Rain, that's right. Because we, yeah. we had sunshine and darkness. Yes. <laughs> Light and shade at his best. <laughs> Let's leave it at that, guys. We'll be back after this. Bed clothes up with your nightshirt, fiddle about, fiddle 
okay right, let's get Charlie this thrashing over with come on right what we're gonna do it's we decided to do a little quiz basically and charlie has decided to be quiz master and not as a sort of coup or anything i just felt it would be fair for scott to have a go at playing oh, quiz. Yeah, thanks I and i get yeah. to play against the mastermind of movies also <laughs> quite funny <laughs> and, and how are you naming yourself for this quiz charles well for this week it must be john ent quizzle <laughs> so, so what we've decided to do is revisit the format we did a couple of weeks back don't really remember a lot nor do i we think there was a box of Trivial Pursuit cards. We think there was yeah. a box out of this big movie quiz. Definitely were. Because I remember really struggling with Trivial Pursuit where a lot of the questions were literally <laughs> lit, but they'd been disproven or changed, especially yeah. the geography stuff and that. Yeah, so. we're talking the original. This is the Genesis edition of Trivial Yeah, 1980. Early 90s, isn't it? No, early 80s. Uh, well, yeah, it's, it's one of the mm. early versions. So some of these questions are a bit wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Anything um, to do with Yugoslavia, basically, yeah. or, it's, it's, or the it's, USSR. Yeah, it's interesting to see what's on there. Do you want to still keep the same format, guys? Throw one to three, we get a triv question. Four to six, we get a... Yeah, that's fine. Question. Do we want to stick with it being entertainment on the triv, or do you want to mix it up? Oh, let's mix it up as long as it isn't art and lit. I think that makes it slightly fairer to Paul as well. Okay. Yeah, I'll go for geography. Well, I was just thinking we could then throw a dice to then decide where it no, goes. No, I'll go for geography. Trip. Okay. On the quiz where the, the one topic that is going to be largely Wrong. inaccurate. Yeah. Because it's Soviet Union. And <laughs> yes, yes. Okay. Excellent. Okay. Paul, can you throw the dice? We'll see who goes first or second on this, mate. Paul's thrown a six. I've thrown a six. It's loaded. Oh, one. No. One. And I throw a six. Okay. So one to three. I like how that helps, doesn't it? You know you can uh, get an entertainment uh, comedy n- classics one then. No, because it's now, now my turn to throw. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he's throwing again. Yeah. yeah one to three. Yeah. yeah. So we, we just working out who's going first. So yeah. Would have been great if we'd sort of talked about this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> rather than sounded unprofessional and not organised. I mean, there's it's a first time for everything, Paul. So <laughs> yeah. This whole podcast was based on unprofessional. Yeah. <laughs> Go okay, on so I'm going to throw a four, which gives me a movie movie question, and it's comedy yeah. classics, isn't it? Charlie? It is, yeah. Okay. So, oh, Paul, Paul, can you keep score? Sorry, by the way. <laughs> You'll get this, I reckon. Which romantic comedy contains the line "You had me at hello"? know that it's not necessarily the most famous line from the film either is it is, is, is i'm thinking tom cruise is it what's her face the one that looks like her face has been punched with an iron we've said it before haven't we well bridget <laughs> jones isn't it it's her yeah. um oh god was it it's not vanilla sky it's not magnolia it's is it show me the money is it that one um uh, oh it's, it's, the, it's the show me the money that, one, that, isn't it? That is so frustrating, the fact that you know everything about the it, film. Other than the title. It's the name of yeah. a person, isn't it? And it's a sports movie, and it's got Cuba Gooding Jr. in it, and it is called... And the kid from Stuart Little. Yes! Is it Wiki, what his name is? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, oh, this is just distraction, isn't mm. it? From the... It's just stalling, I find. 
Especially when I'm sitting here knowing the answer. Me, Hello is not the most famous line in the film, but I no. think it's the, the closest. Jerry Maguire. Oh, there you yeah. go. Bugger. I knew it was a name. I was, really, I was really hopeful for you there, Paul. Don't mm. even get it. Well, we're doing two points right and then a point for the bonus if I don't get it yeah. right. Okay. <sighs> I remember that other question from the other week, so I'll shuffle that card. You can, you yeah. can do whatever you are. You're quiz master, my friend. That's a one point. So that's a trivia, isn't it? And we're doing geography on Trivia Pursuit. Apparently. That's what I decided for some reason. (laughs) (laughs) Geography question for Paul Charles. What colour are we looking at? Blue. Top. Yeah. Okay. Which English city Mm. has a counterpart in Alabama? Birmingham. Spot on. (laughs) We did first a, a hotbed of racial tension at one point, I would argue. What, Birmingham? Birmingham. Well, both. <laughs> but, well, there has been racial rights in yeah, Birmingham. The black country. <laughs> that's to do with Palouche. Oh. So, not racial. <laughs> I'm going to throw a three. So that is... Triff. Triff of Geography. What's the world's highest waterfall? I'm going to take a stab at Victoria Falls. Unlucky. Angel. Thank you, darling. That's all right. <laughs> uh, are we, are well, we both doing, men does we... the cakes. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a point to me if I got it right. Okay. Didn't I? Yeah. Yep. Yep. You did. I think it's Venezuela, isn't it? It is. So, so, this is the thing. Geography's his bag. Oh. Uh, I'm going to move him on. Right, I've got to ask. I have a feeling we might have had this last time, but you might not remember it anyway. No, because we had a different set of cards, didn't we? Have Oscar, yeah, it Oscar. was Oscars. It wasn't comedy, so I think. Okay. Who no, died? we've had that. <laughs> <laughs> we have had the who, to be fair. So, um, and John Inkwizzle shall not be interrupted again. <laughs> oh, did that point. The ox. Uh, who directed the Royal Tenenbaums? Pretty tough, I'd say. Not not the world's hardest question, but far from the world's easiest one. Mm-hmm. I've no idea. Hold it. Don't answer, because he can answer. Of course. Where's Anderson? Correct. Okay. Good answer. Because it's the right answer. <laughs> <laughs> is that for me? That's for That's me. That's for you, it? that is. There are the six... So comedy mm, classics. Yep, movies. Which former wrestler mm-hmm. starred in The Princess Bride? Andre the Giant. Correct. <laughs> I knew that. <laughs> Paul's going to throw... Um, Three trivial, please. Trivial. No, I can't even say it. Trivial. It sounded like you were having a stroke. Okay. What two oceans meet at the Cape of Good Hope? What one's the Cape of Good Hope? I can't remember. Cape. I've got a lot. Cape Horn is South Africa, isn't it? Not the question, baby. Hope hope is America. Go to America. So that's. It's it's got to be the Atlantic and Pacific. Scott. Unlucky. In that case, I'm going to go the Atlantic and the Indian. Correct. It's the other one there. Yeah. Because I was, I would have gone exactly where you went. I, I, yeah. 
I got it wrong. That is South Africa then, isn't it? Yeah, I've yeah. got, the, I've got that bit wrong. Bugger. I'm losing 6-3. Are we playing up to 10 points or what are we doing here? I don't um, know. Or until we yeah. get fed up with it or Charlie throws the ball at us. <laughs> 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 I've had enough of this. I've thrown a two, which is... Trivial, trivial of Geography. What's the capital of Switzerland? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, honestly, like it's you know, a burn. That's a bit aggressive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, correct. That's that's a bit of a banana skin that question. I bet loads of people guess Yurik and that. Geneva. Oh, Geneva yeah. Yeah. I'll have a geography as well, please. Did you roll for one? Yeah, you did. Don't you get the one. option. No, 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 no. It's, it's a very oh, small oh. dice there. But yeah. I can see roll a one. Yeah. I think I would know this one. I've got, a guess. I've got an idea what it is. What prison is found in Ossining, New York? Ah. New York <clears> prison. <throat> Rikers? Good shout, but it's not right. Sing Sing. Correct. I was wondering if it was Attica, but that might oh, be. Yeah. Because of Dog Day. Hmm? Well, I'm not sure, but I just remember in Dog Day Afternoon. Attica! Attica. Attica. Finch. Atticus Finch. Yes. <laughs> Killer Mockingbird. Gregory Peck. I bet he does. <laughs> Did you ever get a chance to read the sequel? Well, it wasn't really a sequel. But he's actually a racist in it, Atticus Finch. Really? Well, because it was really more like a, the initial genesis of what the story would become rather than in a proper sequel. She changed her mind that he wasn't going to be a racist, which is quite a big detail in mm. the story. So... How long after the original? <coughs> oh, is Scout, thing? Scout's like a, a grown woman, and he's oh. he's like an yeah. elderly. It's the only other of, book she wrote, wasn't it? Yeah, and there was no ever. Sorry, there was never any intention of releasing it. It was just a cashing. It caused quite. It was a, also literally just before she died, wasn't it? it was yeah, like a year, wasn't it? And so. I think that's what caused a bit of a, you know, hullabaloo. Hullabaloo. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to read it now because it's my favourite book. Fine novel. Is it, is it time for me to roll the dice? Yeah, again. Okay. Uh, a, a one. Geography. So bloody geography. Again. Well, bloody geography. You've got more points off that than the movies <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> cool. Cool. What state is Disneyland in? Oh, okay, look, there's Disney World and Disneyland, isn't there? I'm going to say California. Correct. Yeah. 50-50, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Should we go to 20 then? Yeah, it's 11 3. We're going to go to 20. We're changing the rules. Yeah. Oh, I'll have another one, which is um, geography. You wanted geography. I know. I swear, I swear you're just putting the dice down on the table. Like. <laughs> is a, people can't see this dice. How, how big is this dice for people? It's half a centimetre cubed, yeah, I'd it's say. Yeah, tiny. Okay. Looks big in Charlie's hands. <laughs> Do you want me to duck some points there, Charles? I'm, I'm going to change the... <laughs> right. Okay. Mm-hmm. This is slightly weird. Um, where are three quarters of the world's pineapples grown? So that's surely something that's I've not got accurate idea. now. But oh! It might, well, it might be. Oh, okay. Not because of the answer, but you just don't know whether it's been superseded or not. Oh. The other quarter, I'm, I'm gonna say Brazil, Scott. I want to say Hawaii, correct. Really, yep. Okay, that is surprising. 
I, I don't find that surprising. Mm. Hawaii, I sort of associate it with that kind yeah. of tropical... Pizza. Like a cannibal. <laughs> Hawaiian pizza? Mm. Think about it. Oh, it was there. It was staring you in the face. Mm. I was thinking more like a can of lilt, but... <laughs> Uh, yeah. no, that's Jamaican. That's Jamaican. Yeah, but just I associate Hawaii with that kind of tropical uh, kind of... Uh, taste. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Typically tropical. Uh, See, I don't remember that ad jingle or slogan. <laughs> oh, no. It was lilt with the yeah, totally tropical taste. tropical taste, taste yeah. yeah. Uh, one again. Sorry, this dice is loaded. One. That's geography. What country is the Yucatan Peninsula, the southern part of? Yucatan. From Milan to Yucatan, every woman. I was thinking, I ain't nobody. Oh no, that's Chaka Khan. Yucatan. Yucatan. <laughs> no, that was um, I feel for you. Yucatan. Yucatan. <laughs> Mexico. Connect. The fuck? This is back. Where did you pull that from? Fourteen three at the moment. Yucatan. I got a five. So comedy classics. Yay. What is the name of the song that Tom Cruise's character dances to in Risky Business? Bugger. Nope. No, no, you'll know this, Scott, don't you? I've got no idea. He sings into the... He slides across the floor in his, in his socks. socks and <laughs> singing into the mirror or whatever, isn't he? No, I don't know. I mean, it's, the question is saying, name the song, but it's listed the artist as well. But if you can name the song, that's... Fair enough. Yours, Scott. the artist, definitely. Oh, no, then. no, it says name the song. Okay, well, I think oh, the artist right. is... Are, are you done? <laughs> I'm <host>? done. <laughs> What's this fucking... Look, he's beating me enough already. <laughs> fucking Captain Phillips. Oh, I'm the host now. <laughs> Look at me. <laughs> is it Pete Seeger? Oh, you've got the surname right. Uh, the, the other Seeger. Bob. But is, is, Bob. It, is it Good Time Rock and Roll? Or? Oh, that's painfully close. It, yeah, is it... A long I mean, time whole, rock and roll. what you're saying is old time rock old and roll. Old time rock yeah, and roll. Yeah, definitely the worth, worth a point. Yes, yes Bob. Bob. The new Seagers. <laughs> oh, <fuck laughs> dearie me. They call me the Seager. I'm not going to make a high note. Let's get this over <laughs> with. Was I given a point for that? Yes, thing? you were. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you. Rolled it on. Is it from. Oh, it's me, sorry. Um, I rolled a four. That's more comedy. Comedy classics. Who starred in the 1963 version of The Nutty Professor? Jerry Lewis. Correct. I knew that. The, ki <laughs> the king of comedy. Allegedly. Yeah. Was that not him in the... No, he was. Yeah. yeah. Three. So that's geography, isn't it? Well, I started equal terms with you. It was three all at one point. <laughs> what is the world's largest island? Um, if we're not counting Australia, so we got to count Borneo? Afraid not. Greenland. Correct. It's, it's all the steals that have done it, isn't it, really? It's like pushbacks in the chase. Mm. Can I just read the uh, the entertainment question for this yeah, card? Be interested. I think... Give it to Paul first. Obviously. Okay. What? Because he's inferior. Is that what you're saying? question. Well, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Rude. <laughs> what word was intentionally omitted from the screenplay of The Godfather? Strikes again. Hmm? <laughs> what on the fucking title page? Yeah. Godfather strikes. 
Mafia. The Edge of Reason, correct. Wow, where did I pull that from? Well, it's almost like that's what the film's about. (laughs) Well, I I think it was... um, They got a bit of sort of grief from the uh, American-Italian community Mm. about, you know, this is just going to perpetuate... Mm. That stereotype. Yeah. We spoke about it when we reviewed it, didn't we? Yeah. I remember we were saying it was like deliberately avoided. Yeah. Well, that was some time ago now, weren't Episode it? Episode 42, it was our 100th movie. Sure. See, I can get questions right when there's no points involved. <laughs> I was just, I thought, you know, it's almost like this is a film podcast, isn't it? So yeah, almost, almost. Almost. yeah. I'm going to throw a three. So that's still geography, isn't it, I think? Yes. Okay. Where was Don Corleone born? Uh, Corleone, Sicily. <laughs> Where do you go to row? Well, it's like something out of My Fair Lady. Where do you go to row on the Po? Row on the Po? The Po is well, a so river is in re- Italy. Yeah. It's, it's, it's an Italian river, isn't it? I knew that! <laughs> po Leary. Hey! That's yeah. no, over. Have I won? Oh, yeah. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah, you got your 20 points and I didn't. What did you get? Don't hide it. Under I, I a didn't pen get twenty. Or. There's so little points there on his tally sheet that you can yeah. hide it under a pen. <laughs> Talk about rubbing it in. Three. <laughs> it was free all at one stage. It was marvelous. Thank you, thank you, Charles. Thank, thank you, Paul. you, thank you. Well, it's at that point in the show where we're going to take another wee break, and it's what we're going to be watching next. It's your choice, Paul, isn't it? It is. I have two choices. But I've... Is it Tommy the sequel? Oh, did they make one? I'd love to see it. <laughs> Quadrophenia, maybe, but well, not really. But let's find out. Back after this.
And now, preview time. When it comes to entertainment, you can't beat a good film. So let's take a look at what's coming your way. <laughs> just never this that silent. On that introduction, Charlie, thank you. Um, we're gonna have to come up with a better format for quizzing, I think. That, yes. that was random, it was brilliant, Charlie. Thank you so much. Um, we're gonna do six degrees of separation over Skype, we've decided works best for that. But I'm, I like the idea. Can somebody compile a quiz for next time we're all together? find something that we can buzz around or whatever it may work out to I'm be. I'm sure yes. we can come up with something. Excellent. Yeah, Charlie, thank you so much You're for welcome. standing in there. Thank You're you. Welcome. Now then, uh, Tommy was chosen by young Charles. Mm. I think I was the one before that was Sabrina. You were. Which means it's down to you, me old mate. Well, my last few choices have been... Shocking. Old films. Shocking. <laughs> Shocking. Been really good. <laughs> really not, because Sabrina was a cracking choice. It was mine. Yeah. Arthur but <laughs> my, mine was To Catch a Thief before that. Also yeah. a very good film. Yes. Resplendent. Yes, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Repugnant. No, definitely Resplendent. Okay. Excellent cinematography in that film. Yeah. Um, I thought I'd come into the 21st century. <laughs> Is that physically possible? <laughs> I'd love to see that. Well... <laughs> Should have seen me on New Year's Eve 1999. Yeah, got his hooting out. <laughs> um, and leading on from a film we done two episodes ago, um, which was The Last Waltz. Yes. So I've chose a Scorsese film. Spoiling us. Music. Get the Ferrero Rocher out. That's music to my ears, to be honest. Um, and I think it was 2006, and it's The Departed. His first Best Director Oscar. Oh, I haven't seen it since it came out. I watched it I don't once. think I have either. No. I've never seen it. I just... Oh, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to, uh, oh, again, well, educate myself. That's a good way, because me and you have only seen it once. Yep. I've got nothing against the movie. I don't remember it being particularly... I've seen it once, but I've also seen the original Korean Infernal Affairs. Infernal Affairs, and your first time watch. Yes. Good choice. Good choice. I love that. Yet to be seen. (laughs) I I read the synopsis, looked at the cast, and I I can't see a reason why I won't enjoy it. You must have sort of seen some kind of mentions to the fact that he's quite acclaimed as well. Yeah, yeah. There we go. Something a bit more modern, because we've been delving into the way past uh, a lot recently. But just old enough as well to sort of look back on it as a proper kind of retrospective thing, because what's that, like... 15, 15 years, years ago. 15 years ago, That's, yeah. that's over the... Do you remember the old threshold we used to set of, like, nothing in the exactly. last 10, 10 years? years. So it's yeah. still over that threshold. Yeah. Mm. Nice. Like it. Good. Brilliant. Right, so, Paul, thank you. No problem in bringing my bile enjoyment of the film to the table. For your comments on Tommy tonight, Charlie, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for letting me choose that because it was a bit of an indulgence for me to choose that. I like the way that the conversation went that we had three different opinions 
Um, let's see how the party goes. I, I don't know how this is going to go. I mean, I've, I've, got, I've got nothing against it from what I can remember. I've watched it and enjoyed it, just never gone back to it. Mm. I might make that two Jack Nicholson films in a row. I think it is. Oh, well. okay. Yeah. Right. Charlie, Paul, cheers, guys. Thank see you. See you Thank next you. time. See you later. See ya. The management of this theater suggests that for the greater entertainment of your friends who have not yet seen the picture, you will not divulge to anyone the secret of the ending. Astrid Holmes, that infernal jamboree is worse than two cats on a fence. You dudes get lost now, you hear? Good night, ladies. Good night, sir. When you fail down, try positive thinking. That's what I told them and said, don't wear a frown, try positive thinking, laugh at your troubles instead. You've got to look on the bright side, on hope so much depends. With your confidence sinking, positive thinking, helps you on the way, my friend. When things look black, try Positive thinking, treat every season as spring. No glancing back, try. Positive thinking, trust what tomorrow may bring. This crazy world that we live in will keep on spinning round. But with good, strong, positive thinking, we'll get together and life won't let us down. Shut up. Oh, shut up. We enjoy it.